Cyborg Shapeshifters and Shatterstar. Hello and welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel Deadpool 2 episode. If you don't know, get to know. It's the podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic before in his life rewatches a Marvel movie or a Marvel TV show and then quizzes another comedian, this one, who is a Marvel expert, someone that was taught to read with Marvel comics. Welcome to the show. I am your host and comedian, uh, writer, Rob and Marvel... Wait, no, that all went out my mouth. <laughs> Let's try that one again. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the show. I am uh, Rob Holden. I'm one of the hosts. I'm a comedian, I'm a writer, and I'm a Marvel expert. There we go, got through it in the end. And I'm joined as ever on this journey through the uh, the Marvel experience by a man who was powered entirely and purely by booze... And ignorant since Mr. Will Preston. Yes, hello. I'm usually sober, but I went on a pub crawl last night. And <laughs> I am hungover because I am like, professional. How does, cause, because you've been so, because you're like, gen, well, you're, you're largely sober and then you have, um, I believe they call it binges. Little excursions uh, <laughs> every here, here and there for special occasions. Do you notice it hitting you very differently to when you like would drink regularly? Yeah, it hits like me way. I, I'm totally aware, more aware of it. And uh, I'm more. I'm, I feel more in control. But there's still there's that aspect of I feel cheeky. I feel very <laughs> cheeky, and I can feel my my senses go a bit odd. And I'm like, yeah, I know what's happening now. Yeah, I got accidentally drunk the other. I, like I have a standard appointment now during during lockdown and all that. I get together with a, a friend of mine on, on video chat, and we watch old wrestling, and we oh. we eat and drink and have a great time. We do it every Monday, and I. And honestly, we've been doing this for so long, and yet for some reason, this last Monday I drank the same kind of thing. I think I overpoured my rum in my, my rum and cokes, and I got so drunk so quickly that I had to stop the call. And at like at nine o'clock at night, I had to go to lie down in bed and went boom straight to sleep. I was so quickly messed up, and I am a I am an I am an old big dude, and I'm a seasoned drinker. I've drank and worked in and, and managed pubs for a long, long time. But I just uh, I just think it all hit me a bit weirdly on Monday. Too much too soon, baby. Yeah. Sometimes Speaking of that. too much too soon, coming up on the show, Ooh. the secrets and origins of X-Force. Exactly how do you stop the juggernaut? Who is Domino? And how does she do what she does when she does it? Where does Cable come from? And we've got the full lowdown on the relationship between Cable and Deadpool. Don't go anywhere. It is a Deadpool 2 episode. It's been over a year since we've last looked at Deadpool. Is it? Um, yeah. Wow. It was, it was way back in our first year. The, towards the end, I think October of our first of our first year. We didn't do them at all in 2021. And people have been clamoring for this one. So we are very happy to give it to you. Speaking of things that people are clamoring for... Well, Preston, uh, out there treading the boards in the chuckle uh, factories up and down the uh, country. Well, in London. Uh, and now you're a credited driver. Uh, wh- where can we see you? Where are you gigging? Uh, how do we see Will Preston in the upcoming weeks? Accredited driver. I like it. Yes, I can. <laughs> I will be now doing more out-of-London gigs. Uh, but uh, this this uh, upcoming week, you can see me the, on Monday the 31st at Pegasus uh, in at the Rosen Crown in Kentish Town, doing new material, uh, and Saturday, of course, 
It's Leicester Comedy Festival. So you can see me at a comedy tapas at 5.30. More details of the location of that coming soon, but I'm sure it's available on the Leicester uh, Comedy Festival website. And then I am doing, on that same day, I'm doing my solo show, Will Preston Can't Face Reality, at 7.15pm at the globe and then i'll the, be there he'll I'll be, be there he'll be there as well i'll be in the audience and it's a show that we we kind of you know we, we worked on a little bit together as well so yeah. believe me when i tell you if you listen to this and you're a fan of geekdom and fandom and and all kind of things like that of of science fiction of fantasy of video games the comic books that's like the beating heart of will's show mm. um it's really well worth coming to check out it's, it's good um, it's a bit of a work in progress as there's still new bits i'm figuring out but a lot of it is pretty solid uh, and then, of course, the next day, Sunday the 6th, you can see us live, <laughs> doing the live podcast. That's where I'll be. Absolutely. Sunday 6th of Feb um, in Leicester as part of the Leicester Comedy Festival. 2 p.m. You can see Marvel vs. Marvel, the live podcast at the Attenborough Arts Centre. It is just £5 a ticket, uh, priced for Spice. As they say, um, come on down, see the show, and then you can meet us after the show and we can uh, have a drink and get to know each other. If you're looking to buy tickets in advance, I think that's a good idea because they're already moving and shifting and shaking. If you head to our Twitter, at Marvel versus the pinned tweet is a link to the, uh, the, the website where you can get hold of your tickets in advance. In in that show, we are looking for the very first time at a Disney Plus What If series. We're going to be diving into the What If as a comic book, as a concept, looking at the multiverse of Marvel. And we picked a particular episode, not the first one, but one where we're looking at a world where the Avengers do not exist or don't exist or what happens when the Avengers aren't around in the MCU. Lots of opportunities for us to do that. Um, it's going to be a show two halves. There's going to be all what, regular stuff that you usually expect to see from uh, Will and myself, um, uh, but it's going to be live and in your face. And there's some other fun stuff going on as well. Fingers crossed our theme song will be performed live by Mr. Dan Walsh, the best banjo player in the country. Yes. Um, we've already know we've got loads of uh, well, we've got a, a great number of our loyal fans coming to us from all over the country, and that gave me an idea. Will you've got the car, and you're going to be looking for gigs around uh, the UK. I'm indeed, I am. Guys, get in touch. Let us know where you reside, and where Will should try to find gigs where where he can go and you guys can come and see him get in touch yeah uh, do it on twitter at marvel versus drop us a line go to go to will's twitter which is at will preston right at will preston i kept it simple or or you can drop us an email marvel versus marvel at gmail.com help us plot a gig map for will so he can do a little tour in stages around the country and we can get in touch with people and say hey do you run a gig here Will Preston wants to come and blow the roof off it. Um, get in touch. Drop us a line. Come see us live. The best place to do that is at Marvel Versus. And the best place to see us live is the Leicester Comedy Festival, Saturday the 5th and Sunday the 6th of Feb. Journey with me now into the mind of a muggle. The dichotomy of this show, which makes us so unique, and it's why you keep coming back is that I have a lot of inherent knowledge from growing up reading these characters, learning about these things, and I struggle to imagine what it's what it's like to grow up without them. And Will Preston is exactly that. He's a man who grew up without knowledge, a man who exists in his current form almost entirely bereft 
of knowledge, uh, powered by ignorance, so unique in the muggly minds, with why we <laughs> beat them into the show. I Sorry. think it's time we stop doing this podcast now. <laughs> it's. Uh, I feel like you just crossed a line. <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna it's do. It's so much. It's so much fun looking at your face when I do those. No, sorry. I'm gonna do a, a Mass Effect podcast now. I'm gonna find someone who hasn't played okay. Mass Effect, yeah. and I'm gonna tell them what Batarians. Hey, I'll tell you what Batarians are. Okay, but you have to promise not to be a prick. <laughs> no, cannot do that. <laughs> Come and see us live, guys. It'll be the same as this, <laughs> with more so violence. We'll, more violence. <laughs> we we can't go into the mind. We can't ask you, have you ever heard of Deadpool before? Because this yeah. is the sequel. This is Deadpool Two. We've already covered some of this. So maybe I think we'd look at, at, at Cable and say, was Cable someone you had ever heard of or seen before? Because he has turned up in various. You know, different medias over the years. I, he, he turned up in the X Men animated series. I remember that, and I remember thinking, "Ah, oh, there's a guy with a metal arm and a machine gun and a laser eye." And I was like, "Yeah, he's cool. He's cool." Isn't pretty, he? I mean, pretty standard '90s sci-fi dude, isn't he? Yeah, really, I guess he's he's basically the Terminator cross with Snake Plissken, isn't he? He's that kind yeah. of anti-hero. Yeah, uh, the one sort of one eye, I guess. Sort of, sort of one eye, but the, yeah, but the thing is. Uh, I remember, well, you know that everybody was going, ah, oh, they'll never make a Deadpool movie because, oh, the swearing and the jokes and the, uh, the weirdness, they won't be able to market it properly because they won't know what to do with it. I think after Deadpool came out, people were going, ah, they'll never do it with Cable because they will be too serious and it's the Deadpool silly and yeah. they'd have to do it properly because they'd have to get someone to, they, they can't have uh, him as a comedy character. They'd have to have him as an actual serious comic book character in a comedy film if that makes sense. Mm. So it would be quite the antithesis of Deadpool, which I believe from my many conversations about people, with people about Deadpool and other Marvel stuff, you know, is the whole uh, gist of Cable and Deadpool. You've got the, you've got the juxtaposition. It's also largely the gist of, of, of most comedy. I mean, comedies rely on a juxtaposition. Comedies rely on having a straight person, either a mad, um, a, a sane person in a mad world or a mad person in a sane world. Mm. You have to, I mean, those are literally the two types of comedy, generally. Yeah. You, you, you have to, I mean, if everyone's mad and zany and wacky, it sucks. Um, mm. You have to have those straight people uh, to bounce off. So yeah, yeah, but like, we're talking about Cable, who is like, beyond straight man he is just he's there's tragedy Stoic. there's stoicism mm. there's pathos there's utter he's just he is so just you so, you, so you kind of heard of some of this in the run-up to deadpool 2 i did i did i was aware of aware of it uh all i knew was like okay cable was not an x-men but you know like he was a mutant in the x-men universe and whatnot and he and blah 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 and i thought oh, okay so basically this is more you know connecting up to the X-Men, which again, hard thing to do considering of budget constraints and all yeah, the kind true. of malarkey with, with Fox's ownership over X-Men at the time. Have you ever come across Cable in video games? Because you're the big gamer and you know he's appeared uh, in numerous Marvel video games over the years, including the, the sort of the, the touchstone, which is you know Marvel vs. Capcom, which introduced a lot of Marvel to a whole new variety of... Uh, of of fans and was a huge um, a huge video game for Deadpool really I, I, Deadpool's I, yeah. taunts and as we talked about in the first movie Deadpool's taunts and jokes and comedy stylings really kind of got very popular and kind of almost went viral and trended mm. um, in, 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 in kids being exposed to that for the first time in I think the second Marvel vs. Capcom game 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I never played the Marvel vs. Capcom games, but I mean, I played a few Marvel games, like like very, very little, and I, he's never really popped up. But, mm. uh, and this is really annoying, there was a Deadpool game, but it's no longer available on Steam for no reason. I've got to find out why. I don't know if Cable pops up in that, but it's supposed to be quite a good game. Um, I can't remember either. I, I, I know that we talked about it in the first in the first uh, episode mm. covering Deadpool and, and how like the, the marketing campaign for that video game was really the blueprint for how they did the marketing for the movie. Mm. Um, they, they had someone cosplay as Deadpool yeah. and kind of screw with the uh, publicity. Uh, he broke the fourth wall and lots of marketing and stuff like that. Um, but there we go. Um, yeah, so... Cable is a rather obscure character, albeit, you know, um, toy lines and uh, cartoons and video game appearances, but it's not like he had his own cartoon. He was not uh, the lead in a series, um, and he he wasn't uh, the lead in any video game. So that does make sense. And speaking of making sense, Mm. we turn now to Mr. Will Preston to make sense of the dollars and cents uh, movie production notes take us behind the scenes, if you can, will of Deadpool two. I will. There's quite there's quite a few interesting things to discuss here, but I'll I'll go through the rigmarole and start off with money because, as we all know, money does indeed rotate the earth. Uh, <laughs> so Deadpool original film came out in 2016. As we said before, budget fifty eight million dollars. Box office, $782.6 million, as we, all, as we both agree. That's an insane amount of money to make of a film. It's a great... Yes, it's, it's, it's a great um, amount of money to make. The first Spider-Man mm-hmm. movie did like $800 million, but from $58 million, that's the real key. In 2018, mm-hmm. from $58, money, $58 million, I mean, the first Spider-Man movie cost double that mm-hmm. in... 2002 <laughs> like oh like 15 years before yeah know, it's insane the amount the the, the the smallness of that budget it it is but this this is where it gets quite interesting deadpool 2 came out 2 years later now the budget was <clears throat> essentially twice as much as 110 million but the box office was 785 million basically 2.4 million more so it cost twice as much but made back slightly more it's interesting. To my, to, yeah, to my mind, I think as we've seen, it's mm. incredibly hard to get to that billion dollar mark. Yes. Like 800 mil, mm. it, it appears to be kind of this ceiling yeah. that unless you have this like juggernaut powerhouse, as it were, they have mm. got a juggernaut, but this like juggernaut yeah. thing of it took the MCU a long, long time to build up to that one billion mark. Yes. Um, yes. How, I mean, the Dark Knight managed it. Uh, sort of after like you know a middling movie and then a very good movie, but the Dark Knight was a phenomenon, wasn't it? Really, um, what was the middling movie? Batman Begins. It was good. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, <laughs> it had admin. What, it had admin. That's what, what I, I what I see. <laughs> what I see here is like a movie where act, actors and directors and people probably aren't getting paid at all what they should be for mm. a major hit. I see Deadpool 2 as everyone getting their money properly mm. as they should have done in the first one that they yes. didn't. It's brilliant to have made more slightly like it's a it I was fully expecting this movie to make less. 
Really? Even with I I I I I one hundred percent expected the budget to double, yeah. and I expected them to make less money because it's a very very hard thing to try and recapture the spirits and the vibe of that first marketing campaign, that first movie. It's it's incredible shock factor as well. It's incredibly hard, but it, it it almost feels if I was to do it like a graph and say this it cost this much and made this back and then cost this much and made this back it would almost be technically um what's that term where you make less back with the next succession uh depreciating returns so depreciating returns almost feels like that but the thing is it kind of really isn't because it's still hitting that sub 800 million mark so it's not you, you could yeah. easily do a third you could easily do a third one and again, they should not. They should not have been able to produce seven hundred eighty-two point six million dollars for fifty-eight million. Like no. people were not getting no. paid properly for that first movie. They yeah. they had to. That was clearly a movie they had to fight and scrap and struggle to even get made. It was no one believed in it. So once you do production. that and prove yeah. everyone wrong, mm. then you go okay. F you. Open up the coffers. Pay yep. everyone properly. Let's yep. do it again. Exactly. So, I don't begrudge that doubling of that of that of that budget at all. Yeah, it's it's nothing wrong with that at all. That's that's stunning. Anyway, let's get down to the production notes. There's actually quite some interesting stuff to uncover here. So first of all, uh, producer Simon Kinberg revealed in September 2015 that discussions had begun regarding ideas for a sequel to Deadpool. So obviously they they had some faith in the movie. I think by this point. The marketing, uh, the viral marketing campaign must be in full swing, and the the appetite for the film must have been pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, it could also. I mean, I think they do that with all the all the. They're looking to franchise everything they make. This is this is we're in the age of the franchise. We no I, longer make films; we make franchises. Yeah, I don't think they were green. They didn't green light the sequel. Mm. They said, "Let's have ideas if this thing hits." Yeah, exactly. They're not having something in the in place. Uh, also, director Tim Miller left the film over mutual creative differences with Reynolds, reportedly based on several factors, including Reynolds' expanded creative control over the sequel, uh, Miller's wish for a more stylized follow-up than the first film versus Reynolds' focus on the raunchy comedy style that earned the movie its first R rating. Fox ultimately, and understandably, backed its marketable star over Miller. Which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Deadpool... Uh, sorry, Ryan Reynolds is this... dead. It, he is Deadpool. I mean, he's been championing it for... Yeah. He's almost willed this thing into existence, what's, you know, through sheer force of, of his own kind of dedication to it. Yeah, and and Tim Miller, uh, his first film was Deadpool. And then after that, he did uh, one of the Terminator sequels. Dark Fate, a good one. Yeah, what did you think of it? You thought it was quite good. I enjoyed Dark Fate. I went to the cinema to see it and enjoyed it. It's the first Terminator film I've enjoyed since Terminator 2. Exactly. I mildly yeah, yeah. enjoyed Terminator 3. I think Terminator 3 is really funny. Terminator 3 had some had some of... It tried to have some of the spirit of the second one, but it just wasn't as good. But yeah, Dark Fate was good. It, obviously, after Genesis, I was really uh, just like, oh, what, let's stop making Terminator films. But Dark Fate did, did, did well. Anyway, I, I could go on for ages about Terminator, so I won't. Uh, David Litch was brought in to direct. Uh, Reynolds, a fan of John Wick, which Litch uh, co-directed, said the director really understands those Deadpool sensibilities and where we need to take the franchise and can make a movie on an ultra-tight, minimal budget look like it was shot for 10 to 15 times what it cost. I think that's important to remember. Mm. $110 million for a, an action 
an action blockbuster is nothing. Yeah. I mean, I know it's double 58, the first one, mm. but it is it is still like $100 million away from what you'd expect to spend on on a major blockbuster action movie. It's usually 200, 250 million nowadays for a... Yeah. For a franchisable movie. Okay, uh, next. Brad Pitt was actually considered for the role of Cable before scheduling conflicts prevented him from taking it. He filmed, obviously, he filmed his Vanisher cameo in the two hours during post-production. Uh, according to screenwriter Rhett Reese, Pitt agreed to do it for scale, the minimum amount of money dis- designated by, the, by an actor's guild, and a Starbucks coffee. However, this wasn't an ordinary coffee. He wanted a double wet cappuccino and requested that Ryan Reynolds hand deliver it to him. Reese said, we got the coffee. Ryan came in and gave it to him. It was hilarious because he kind of forgot that he asked for it. It was really funny. And then we shot it for about in about half an hour. Crazy. I resent uh, attractive, uh, talented Brad Pitt being such <laughs> a renowned prankster and funny guy. It bugs me. Is he a prankster? Oh Jesus! Do you never? It, 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 I'm sorry. It's it's the constant talk show thing. Yeah. George Clooney and Brad Pitt—they play so many pranks on it. You wouldn't expect two matinee idol billionaires to play pranks on each other on sets of movies, but they do. Yeah, at least it's better than Jared Leto's pranks. He's he's genuinely. I don't uh, think those are pranks. Those those are he's a, he has a warped mind. There we go. I've discussed this with my wife while it was at times, and we're like, yeah, we're pretty much on the same page. <laughs> Also, cut jokes include many uh, from the film included many bizarre characters interviewing to join the X-Force, such as an idea to have Chris Evans reprise his role as the Human Torch from the Fantastic Four films. That would have been interesting. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. I don't. It would have been a. It would have been a. Uh, you know what? A thirty-second, sixty-second yeah. gag. I would have um, loved that. I, I would have been happy with that. Yeah, it would have been fun. Although it would yeah. have made people go a bit mental and go, oh my God, Chris Evans is going to play the Human Torch as well in the MCU. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, you know uh, how people... Was, was, it, was it geek baiting, you said? Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think anyone would take it seriously. They'd know it's just a dumb thing in a Deadpool movie, wouldn't they? I I, mean, I think people don't don't okay. underestimate people. Don't overestimate people, I should say. Uh, also, another joke that had to be cut out was Deadpool referencing the then secret merger between Disney and Fox. That that, Man. that that I would have loved to have seen that, but obviously <laughs> timing wise, they couldn't do it. Yeah. Also, interestingly. Uh, actors in the running and and screen tested for cable include Michael Shannon, David Harbour, and Pierce Brosnan. I would have enjoyed David Harbour. Mm. Uh, his take, he's quite gruff. Uh, Brosnan will always be Bond to me, so yeah. I can't see that it just doesn't work for me. Too suave. He's too suave. Uh, Michael Shannon's not not right at all for the role. I can imagine it, but I can't imagine him being as great as what we eventually had. I can really picture Brad Pitt doing it, like especially the Brad Pitt we got in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could we could have had that. I I I feel like Michael Shannon should be in more things though. I haven't seen him in uh, uh, lately, and I have I have a bit of a soft spot for him. Give him a call, see how he's doing. He's, yeah, check that, check the milk box, the milk milk box outside his house. Check they're not building them up. You know, <laughs> he might be might be might have had a fall. You never know. <laughs> 
Michael Shannon, are you all right? <laughs> At the end of two, uh, September 2018, Fox announced that it would uh, release uh, an entitled Deadpool film in theatres on December 21st, which was revealed to be a recut version of Deadpool 2 that would carry a PG-13 rating Rather than being R-rated like the initial theatrical release, Reynolds hinted that the version of the film would feature Deadpool telling the story of the film to Fred Savage, parodying The Princess Bride. Despite the edits, the British Board of Film Classification rated Once Upon a Deadpool with a 15 certificate, the same as had been given to the original release of Deadpool 2. Kind that's of, pretty funny. That's because that's a very expensive thing to do to yeah. not get what you wanted from uh, us Brits. <laughs> that is so. I, I want to know. I want to know the reasons behind that because that is that, that just feels hilarious. Well, I, uh, largely it'd be because they don't have the same. I don't think they have a fifteen in America. I think it's like PG thirty because they're P. They're they're. We don't have PG thirteen. We, we have, have PG. We have twelve. Oh, we had twelve and twelve A. Well, we have, that's true. We have twelve as well. I did, did we still have twelve? Anyway, this is boring. Let's move on. Yeah, this is incredibly boring. <laughs> I regret writing it down. By November 2016, uh, with development underway on Deadpool two, Fox was also planning Deadpool three, which was said to include the X Force team. In May 2018, Reynolds stated that a third Deadpool film may not be made given the franchise's shift of focus to X-Force, though writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick felt a third film would absolutely be happening after Reynolds took a break from the character and X-Force was released, which they compared to the Iron Man franchise having Iron Man 3 release after the crossover film The Avengers. So that could have been interesting. But we'll probably talk about more about X-Force later. Oh, tons, tons of it. Tons of it, lads. Yeah, tons, tons of X-Force stuff, lads. Also, after the acquisition of 21st Century Fox by the Walt Disney Corporation was announced in December 2017 and completed in March 2019, all X-Men films in development were cancelled, including X-Force and Fox's version of Deadpool 3, with Marvel Studios taking control of the franchise. That really hurt the New Mutants movie because they just, like, stopped. They just... I think from remembering correctly, they fired or got rid of the entire marketing team. So there was no one to market and advertise the yeah. New Mutants movie. Yeah. It just came out like a, a, a limp fart. Yeah, so what's, I, I think Dark Phoenix suffered some of that as well. Oh, that's the one. Not Yeah, both of them. Both they of them. Because they were... Two limp yeah. farts from the same So butt. So that was... What I just said was for Dark Phoenix. Mm. New Mutants... Would already been finished, but they needed to release it because they 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 just needed to release it because they they held these commitments, but they did not really want to do anything with the movie. In the final fight in Dark Phoenix, Magneto is wearing jeans. That's all <laughs> you need to know. <laughs> However, last bit of production note, and this one is actually got me a little bit excited. However. Disney CEO Bob Iger said that Deadpool would be integrated with the Marvel Cinematic Universe under Disney. And the characters' films could remain R-rated as long as we let the audiences know what's coming. The Once Upon a Deadpool version of the film was being watched carefully by Disney and Marvel Studios to see whether it might inform how they could approach the character and integrate him into the PG-13 MCU. In January 21, sorry, 2021, Marvel Studios chairman Kevin Feige reiterated that the sequel will be rated R. Ah, like its predecessors, and will be set in the MCU. Filming is likely to commence in late 2022. How about that? I was so excited when I heard about that because I had no idea that was happening. 
didn't you? No, I. Oh, have you, uh, that, have this you has been seen... news for yeah. It's been news. It's been news for like over a year now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this passed me by. But I found out when I was doing the notes this episode, and I was like, "You're." I ran downstairs and told my wife. <laughs> and she was like, "Oh, okay, that sounds good." Because we went to the cinema to see Deadpool too. We loved it, you know. I, I, I mean, people they all said, "Oh, it's going to be ruined now. Ruined. Disney have got hold of it. It's going to be ruined because they won't be able to." And I just, no. this it, it was never. It honestly, you look at the rate of return on that investment. Yeah. There is no way in hell they would screw with that. They just wouldn't. Okay. They'd find some way of doing. Look, Disney, Buena, Buena Vista. Made like, um, which is Disney, made Con Air and and stuff like they they've had they've had arms of their movie production things that have made very intense violent action movies in the yeah, past. That's the thing, they've got both Deadpool movies on the Disney Plus service. That that this this isn't a begrudging thing. Like you said, they know the value of this character and these films. They are not going to mess with the bloody recipe. Let's take a trip now and go behind the page with uh, Deadpool two, and obviously in the first the first um, time we looked at Deadpool the character we we did an awful lot on his background and, and his history. I think it's probably really important now to focus on Cable, who is one of the most popular and important characters of the eighties slash nineties, and is in, is hugely important for getting Deadpool. Uh, in in the first place, I think as we mentioned in the first movie, um, this this kind of story all begins with an an X Men spin off, the first X Men spin off comic mm. that was called the New Mutants, um, which was a story of Professor Xavier wanting to train a new bunch of kids um, in the use of their powers because you know the X Men had become like this fighting team, and he wanted to get back to the spirit of what he started which was a school for kids who couldn't control their powers mm. and he'd seen some of the x-men die over the years and he wanted to make sure that never happened again so he started this 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 school brought these young kids in with a mandate that they will never become x-men they will never fight for his cause um like like scott and and, and wolverine and all the others will However, these kids get up to a lot of rambunctious trouble and end up getting into <laughs> fights and, and di- dilemmas and dramas and aliens and fantasy demons and demon bears and things. And that's the New Mutants. It sales of that really started to slump um, over the years towards the end of the, of the 80s. But they took a sharp kind of steep turn up when um, a superstar artist called Rob Liefeld took over the penciling duties and then later the co-plotting duties of, of of the New Mutants comic. Around 1989, the end of 89, start of, um, of, of 1990, that's when Rob Liefeld and, and uh, Louise Simonson and editor Bob Harris kind of introduced this new character. And this new character they introduce is a mysterious mercenary called Cable. And the introduction of Cable also shoots sales up as well. Mm. So it's a combination of Rob Liefeld and and the introduction of this character Cable, which really starts to get people reading this this failing comic, New Mutants, again. Uh, editor Bob Harris has gone on record to say that what they needed to do was they knew they needed to shake things up on the comic, um, and they decided that a new leader would would work. This at the end of the eighties. The start of the 90s, this is the era of like 
extreme. Yes. <laughs> like in we... movies and in TV shows, but also in comic books. It's the era of the anti-hero. That's just starting. You know, Wolverine has been the most popular guy in the X-Men for nearly a decade, and he's just becoming more and more popular. Punisher. This is a time period. Go back and check out our, to pull our Punisher episode off the off the, out of the archives and yes. off the shelf and listen to that. Yes, this is around that time when the Punisher, a gun-toting anti-hero, is so popular. He has four monthly comics, more than Spider-Man. <laughs> like Wolverine, Punisher, Ghost Rider is starting to get that around that time as well. Mm. They 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 want that kind of extreme, edgy ultra macho anti-hero just like you're getting in the kind of these action action movies in the 80s as well and they want this character to be a, a contrast to professor x educator yes um learned man scholar they want it to be a man of action um so uh louise uh simonson the, who was writing new mutants at the time uh, along with rob layfield at the time as well uh decided a military leader would be the the way to go um and Rob Liefeld was was tasked to conceptualize this, like like design this character based on virtually nothing other than warrior. We think war general. Um, it's said that they. This is where ev- in comic books everyone disagrees on who came up with what. <laughs> of course. So both Rob Liefeld and Louise Simonson said, "I had the idea of making him uh, a mysterious time traveler, warrior from the future." So who knows who came up with that, but that's a central key figure and a key idea to it. Um, Liefeld came up with the name Cable, and there were some other names floating around. So Rob Liefeld has given an interview where he said, I was given a direction to create a new leader for the New Mutants. There was no name, no description besides a man of action, the opposite of Xavier. I created the look, the name, much of the history of the character, after I named him Cable, Bob Harris suggested Quinn, and Louise Simonson uh, came up with the name Commander X, um, <laughs> which is a very kind of it's yeah it's a very I mean very sixties seventies kind of less sophisticated kind of thing, but I can certainly see it happening at some point in Marvel's that, history. That's the entire nose, not on the nose. Jeez. Yeah, very very true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and around this time, like Rob Liefeld, so this is when a bunch of artists are becoming are driving sales like never before. Jim Lee mm. is driving sales. Will Spatillo, uh, Patissio, sorry, um, and uh, and Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane, they're they're really driving um, sales with their bombastic artwork on front covers. Um, and so Rob Liefeld becomes basically more gains more and more power. Uh, and control over the comic book. Uh, editor Bob Harris basically promotes him to co-plotter. Louise Simonson is kind of demoted, certainly, and and she ends up leaving the book because she uh, feels that she's been kicked out the door. Um, and so Rob Liefeld kind of assumes pretty much control over this comic, New Mutants, and they bring in a writer called Fabian de Caesar, who we've talked about mm. Who is the other co-creator of Deadpool? Fabian de Caesar. De Caesar is brought in to basically write the dialogue. So Rob Liefeld is going to plot the books, and he's going to draw them all. And then when he's written all the plot out, Fabian de Caesar is going to write the dialogue that kind of runs the story through. Um, and uh, this is when they come up with the idea of let's just 
get rid of the new mutants altogether. It the, we we've we've killed or got rid of half the characters anyway, and brought in brand new, edgy, macho anti-hero characters. Like the new mutants doesn't make sense anymore. It's a pacifist concept, and we're trying to create like a, a more ass-kicking paramilitary team. So the new mutants is cancelled in 1991, and in the last mm. issue. Cable, who has been introduced and become the new leader of the team, has basically reorganised the new mutants, the kids who are never going to become X-Men and have a fight, have now become this, like, platoon of soldiers (laughs) led by Cable. Mm. And the very last thing that happens in New Mutants is he kind of announces them as X-Force. That's the new name. That's who we are. And so... In 1991, New Mutants goes and they launch issue one, relaunch the whole thing as X-Force, created by Rob Liefeld and and Fabian Nassiza. Um, And it is... I've got number one of X-Force. It was released with a big fanfare. Um, It came with an exclusive trading card that you could only get with with that comic. It came in a poly bag, mm. right? So it's sealed in a poly bag, along with um, different variant. Uh, so no, no, not the cards weren't all the same. Um, and that comic sells five million copies, <sighs> the best-selling comic book of all time in 1991. That's a of lot. All time. That's a lot of hot luncheons. It's certainly a lot of hot luncheons, <laughs> and it remains to this day. And from 1991 to today, it remains the second best-selling American comic book of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and X-Force is very bombastic and kicks off almost straight away with uh, introducing Deadpool, um, the X-Force uh, fighting terrorists, the Mutant Liberation Front, led by Strife, a, uh, a very strange, evil, masked mutant with a, with a, a, a mysterious connection to Cable. Um and it's hugely, I mean, five million copies. It is hugely popular. Um, propelled by Leefield's art mainly and by this kind of, it, and by Cable. There's no two ways around it. It's not Deadpool selling the book, although Deadpool's a very popular character. Cable is the reason this book is so popular. And Rob Liefeld. Um, the series rivaled Amazing Spider-Man and Uncanny X-Men in mm. popularity. Those are the two flagships that have been running since the 60s. Uh, X-Force has just been launched, and it's already right up there. And it's really, <laughs> really popular with this kind of adolescent, pubescent uh, demographic. Um, I mean, Cable, all, so quickly in 91, in the era of tough, gun-toting anti-heroes becomes one of marvel's most popular characters right up there with like i said wolverine and and, and punisher and part of what is so captivating and keeps readers coming back again and again is his mysterious past like they they keep bringing this dropping threads of this (laughs) he meets uh he meets wolverine for the first time yeah wolverine is the most popular character Mm. or maybe second only to spider-man meets Cable for the first time. They're both gruff, tough anti-heroes, and they already know each other, 
And Wolverine hates him because of a thing that happened in their past together. Right? So Wolverine's the king of the mysterious past that no one knows about. So they, all, they And they keep... They introduce another ex-character called Richter. And Richter is like, I'll always hate you, Cable, for what you did to my dad. What's that about? <laughs> like, every... Like, he, he's so... He's not just introduced as a new character... But it's a new character who is weaved into mm. the fabric of all these other characters. Yeah, that's good. And his mysterious uh, past slash our future becomes the focus of all the X-Men comics throughout 1992, 1993. They they create this, in, this big um, crossover event called the Executioner's Song, which ties together all the X-Men comics to one event and the whole event is centered around cable his past and his arch nemesis strife um so cable from nowhere to suddenly boom the center of the x-men the center of the most popular comic that was being published not the center of the marvel universe but not far off it um and it's 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 really huge i mean the x-men cartoon series is uh is is, is a big hit and uh, they have this incredibly popular toy line that came off the back of it. Um, they selling a huge amount of toys. I think it was Toy Biz had the great line. I had tons of these. They were so awesome. But you'd watch the cartoon series on Saturday morning. Then you'd rush out and buy the uh, the Wolverine figure, the Storm figure, the Rogue figure, the Cyclops figure. Maybe not the Cyclops figure. Um, and in 1993, when the toy makers needed a new line of figures, but there weren't enough new characters in the X-Men show, what did they do? They went to Marvel and they said, our second line of figures is going to be Cable and X-Force because they're just that popular. They did not have a cartoon series. They did not have a movie. They had nothing but the comic book series. But it was so big, you can't argue with five million copies. So, the second line of X Four of, of of these of these X Men toys were all X Force, which is why you can get hold of some of the most obscure nineties mutants thanks to this line. G W Bridge has an action figure. You won't know who he is. Most most people reading comics won't know who he is, but he's got an action figure for no reason, man. Um it was very cool, and, and and as Will alluded to, and we talked about in the, the, the Muggle section, yeah, Cable, uh, not X-Force, but Cable, does appear in the, the animated, X-Men animated series from the 1990s. Slave Island, The Cure, um, the two-part, the awesome two-part episode, Time Fugitives, which I really hope we get to do, um, which involves Bishop, another time-hopping character from another parallel uh, future. And a four-part episode called Beyond Good and Evil. Um, so he, he really was already making it into other other media, um, was Cable. Um, and then Cable's popularity waned. We've talked about this again and again, Will. Yeah. We talked about it with Deadpool. Deadpool's popularity waned hugely in the 90s. Ghost Rider, it happened to him as well. 2004... Although, I mean, Cable gets his own comic and it's published for a decade, but with varying degrees of popularity. 2004, Fabian Caesar, the, the co-creator of Cable and Deadpool, um, launches a new series with Marvel called Cable and Deadpool. 
And this, I mean, that's where Deadpool was first introduced, but this is the time when they get a very, very strong connection to each other. Um, the title characters who don't came with Deadpool, they no longer have their own individual comics. They share this one. Um, how and why on earth would these two be sharing? They would never work together. They create this really great odd couple buddy cop dynamic. So, due to some bizarre science fiction plot, their DNA gets uh, weirdly mixed up and similar, right? So, whenever either one of them wants to use this amazing teleportation device that Cable's got, it will not teleport only one of them. It, it has to teleport both of them to the same location at the same time. Every time Cable wants to go on one of his missions to save the world or to do something dodgy behind the back of the X-Men, he teleports in and he reappears with Deadpool staring at his face because the <laughs> teleportation machine cannot tell them apart and keeps teleporting them to the same location. Yeah. Deadpool does not agree to it. Uh, Cable doesn't agree to it, it just keeps happening. So it's this great setup where they are, like any great sitcom, I guess, mm. where they're forced to be together. You know, mm. like a, a Lethal Weapon kind of deal, yeah. or, or any of those kind of buddy cop movies, or odd couple movies. Um, and uh, the book is is it's a, it's a hit with the fan base. It's a really great mix of humour and action, and some really great ongoing plots that have great knock-on effects. Um, it found a real home, um, and it did some interesting, funky stuff. Like um, the sometimes in comic books, the very first page will be like a recap page previously yeah. on, like you get in TV shows, and it'll just be a bit of text saying, "If you didn't read the last issue, Spider Man exploded in space, and now the Silver <laughs> Surfer is opened a small boutique." Um, so the Deadpool one, you know, the Cable and Deadpool one starts with generally Cable breaking the fourth wall and talking directly to the audience, which is something that, of course, we see so much of in this movie and that people really love. Trying to rope Cable into doing the same. Cable not understanding who he's talking to. He doesn't understand there is a fourth wall. Um, that was really popular. And then they introduced a, uh, a letters page, in, I think, after the first year, called Dear Deadpool. Um, a letters page in comic books dates back to before the internet. And what you do is you write into the editor and you'd say... I really liked when uh, Spider-Man made a guest appearance in Daredevil. Do you think they could team up again in the future? Mm. Or you say, how does Daredevil's powers work? I'm a bit confused. What happened in issue three when this happened? And the editor <laughs> would print the letter and then write a little reply. In Dear Deadpool, audience, uh, readers would write directly to Deadpool himself, and he oh, would answer in print. Fantastic. Um, and he would refer to the fact that he lived in a comic book. And sometimes it even goes so far as to refer to the man who types my answers. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was just uh, lots of really fun, different... A lot of the humour that you see in, in, in Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool does come from um, later seasons of, of, of Deadpool, but also this Deadpool and Cable series, which for the first time put the two guys together um, as this kind of odd couple buddy cups situation. We love hearing from you guys. If you can't come and see us in person, you should write and tell us how much you love us at marvel versus on twitter for a little bit of uh short feedback or you can send us a direct message king canuck has always dropped me a line let me know what comics he's bought and 
what what my thoughts are on this, that, and the other. Uh, or you can um, you can send us a, a nice long bit of love if you drop us an email to Marvel versus Marvel at gmail dot com. Well, what's in the mailbag? Okay, George Bigham is getting excited. Hi guys! After hearing that you had a live show, I immediately went and bought tickets. That's what we want to see. Yes. So me, my mum, my sister, and my best friend, who has just been introduced to your podcast, are coming. Can't wait. That's four tickets, guys. Four tickets. Who can from beat, George Bingham? Who can beat George? I challenge and to be you. Fair, <laughs> it's only twenty quid. Yeah. <laughs> like. There are comedy shows I've been to that cost more than that. And that's four of them coming to see us in Leicester. Thank you so much, George. Um, make yourself known to us, uh, uh, not during not during the show, but after the show. Um, we'd love to, to meet you guys and say hello. Uh, yeah. And maybe we can go for a drink somewhere or something like that. That'd Who nice. knows? Um, we might be masked up. Don't be alarmed. Uh, but some of us have lives to lead. Who else? Who else? We got Carl Keering, who wrote in to say, The Amazing Spider-Man isn't one of my favourite movies, but it might be one of the best episodes you've ever done. It was awesome to learn about the yassification of Peter Parker. <laughs> the yass- I, I, I love that term. because I, it's, Did you make up that term, or is that already in the vernacular? I didn't make. What would that be? If I just said that, that'd be nonsense. No, no, no. That's no, a, no, that's a nonsense. That's a, it's a meme. It's a trend. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah. It's not nonsense, mate. Don't put yourself down. No, I didn't. I, Will, I didn't make it up. I'm saying if I made it up, it would have been nonsense, but I didn't. It's take, a meme trend. It's take, a trend take, of. Take credit for the word, mate. Take no, I didn't make. <laughs> take credit, mate. Take credit. What does Carl say? Every time we've learned about Spider Man so far, he's been a loner with no friends, so it's cool to find out he eventually became popular and went to parties. That's very true, isn't it? The first three, the original trilogy mm. and, and uh, the animated series. You know, he kind of doesn't really have any friends still. And then, uh, I mean, he doesn't in this movie, but he did in the comics. Peter No Mates. Oh, yeah. Peter No Mates. This might be the first time I enjoyed all the production notes and real world trivia just as much as all the comic book trivia. Thanks for everything, Rob and Will. It was packed with trivia, wasn't it? Packed with behind-the-scenes stuff, man. You had a lot of production notes on that episode. It was really cool. Well, yeah, as you know, we uh, we, we made the notes for this. I think The Amazing Spider-Man was the longest note file we made for several reasons. And I remember we looked at it, and we were just like, oh, man. <laughs> right at the end, you were just like, yeah. you were like, that was a long episode. That was a long episode. It was a long episode. And yet it's not the longest one we've ever done, but it was a long episode. It was yeah. a lot in Civil there. War is yep. still the longest, isn't it? Four hours, I think. I thought that, uh, Superman War. one was... Superman's just shy, I think, of four. I might be yeah. wrong. Okay. Well, you know, I'm sure people at home will remember what our longest episode is. Uh, we got one more letter. Uh, Peter J got in touch. You guys have started 2022 off strong. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. There is really nice back and forth conversation in the show. Some really good critical stuff analysing the movie without just blaming the actors. Great discussion and positive stuff about a film that maybe you guys didn't enjoy all that much. My favourite bit is Will's love of the comic book Captain Stacy. This is easily a multiple listener. This month is going to be great. From Matador to Deadpool 2 through January 2022. Then a live show. First five weeks of this year sorted. 
Thank you, Peter J. Peter J is going to be at the live show. He's he's, he's going to let us know he's coming. He's going to be there. Uh, he's actually coming to Will's show as well. Yep. The uh, the the night before. Man, uh, yeah, I think we both felt that we, whilst we didn't think uh, Amazing Spider-Man was like the be- our our favorite of the best Spider-Man movie, we know it's got a lot of love and a lot of support and a lot mm. of fans out there, and we don't want to just like slag something off. Yeah, um, unless it's man thing. No, <laughs> I don't know. I think that got a, a, a good amount of slagging off. Not too much. It wasn't overkill on the slagging off of that. And your love of uh, Captain Stacy. I just he just felt like a brilliant paternal figure and I imagined him even though I've already seen him I imagined him as James Cromwell like being a really lovely father you never had figure and yeah. and I have a lot of maybe it's maybe it's me projecting speaking out loud about uh, my family <laughs> situation but I really enjoy the father the father you never had figures who really fill up that space and it's just so lovely Daddy issues, do they make you hotter? Because often in girls we see <laughs> it tends to make them hotter. I, uh, for, for, for guys, it just makes us punchier. We punch a lot of drywalls. What, what a shame. We punch a lot of drywalls, we get angry. <laughs> uh, very insecure. There we go. Well, thank you to Peter J for opening that can of worms. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and we've got to give big love to Peter J because he's one of the guys that really does the right thing. Top tier um contributor on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel he's part of the wrecking crew peter j mikey mm. w zach thomas and sam those are the guys that contribute to the top tier on uh, on our patreon and give us the most that they can to let us stay on the air and do awesome cool things we shout out as well to some new subscribers who've joined very recently will we've got thermite which is a cool name. It's a superhero mm. name, Thermite. Uh, or a su- actually, it's a supervillain name. Thermite, Jason Tully, Sean James, Jack Davis joining us very, very recently, getting in uh, on some of that sweet uh, £10 tier, which gives them access to all our bonus content. Now, if you don't know, I don't know where you've been, but yeah, that's right. We don't just live here on these episodes on your Apple or your Spotify or wherever you get us. We live on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. We throw out bonus episodes, two bonus episodes every single month, a mini episode at the start of every month where we do obscure Marvel and we take a look at a uh, an obscure character from the Marvel universe, Will gets to find out about them for the first time. Whether it's Kangaroo, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's uh, the Rocket Racer, or whether it is El Ma- the Master Matador. Yes, the um, boss. Oh God, that was, have, I had so much anger. We have a great ton of fun doing that of course a brand new one dropping in feb and we also have our full length bonus episodes every single month it is like a a a regular it is it is maybe better than a main episode show we take an aspect a storyline or an event or a character arc from the Marvel comics that we don't get chance to talk about in these episodes, we expand on it and we do episodes that hour and a half, two hours long, and have an incredible uh, blast doing that. Mm. Right now, this month, we are uh, we have already released and it's out there. You can get it right now if you go to patreon.com/slash Marvel versus Marvel. The life and times of 
cable. You were going to get an awful lot of cable info and trivia in this episode. But believe me when I tell you, you it, we don't have time for all of it. It's centered around Deadpool. So we don't have... Will, do we have time? You've done the episode. You learned a lot about Cable. Is yeah. there any way of putting that into this episode? No, no. We, no. We, 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 we fit quite a lot into the episode. So, yeah. It's nice to have its own dedicated episode. It helps. We, we the, dive... Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. We dive into the origins of Cable, time travel, mm. revelations, his dark past, his secrets that they tease and tease and tease, the revelations and the resolutions of that, his, 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 and his connection to a classic Marvel character, a foundation Marvel character, plus one of the, the most twisted X-Men villains of all time. You, you, you agree with that. Strife is, Strife is not a good guy. No. Oh, God. Strife is petty. Beyond petty. He's yeah, a he's cruel, really cruel man. Yeah. Uh, that is the life and times of Cable. We, we, we will lay it all out for you, and we travel through time. It's one of the hardest uh, shows I've ever had to put together from a research standpoint. It was so difficult mm. um, to get all these different uh, retcons in order. Well, we almost and, uh, we almost uh, had to hold it back because... Yeah, yeah. very nearly. Very, very nearly. Near, because I, very I couldn't, nearly. The research... The, the, it's, it's a twisted way of doing research. The way it's presented online um, is not the way I need to present some of these things to you. Uh, and so I have to dig through my collection and uh, find other resources... The Life and Times of Cable, I'm really pleased with it, really proud of it. Um, it was a, 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 a truly, it's a truly good story as well, beginning to end. Um, it ties up. It, it's just, it's really well put together. It's a really great example of other writers building on what's come before, um, rather than a story that is conceived beginning, middle, and end in one go. So head on out there to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. Like, don't just consume what we do. Contribute. Help us stay on the air. Help us keep producing like three hours and 41 minutes for Andrew Garfield and the amazing Spider-Man. Like no one else is doing that. Mm. You know it's only us. You know there's so much more we can give you if you just help us out. Contribute. Pledge. Everyone gets access to Obscure Marvel for just £3 a month. If you want to go for the... Uh, the big baller stuff, you can get early access to every episode, and you can also get yourself the uh, the incredible full-length bonus episodes if you're contributing £10 or higher. Don't delay. Get all that you can get, possibly get about Cable. Head to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel right now. Yes. Here we are then, Deadpool 2. We have gone behind the scenes, we've gone behind the page, we've worked out how we got here on this Marvel journey, this particular leg of the Marvel journey. We've listened to our wonderful fans and supporters. We've paid the bills by listening to the people and supporters the most and telling you how you can find out everything there is that's worth knowing about Cable and his mysterious past. So, I mean, all it all it remains to do now, then, is to actually discover this character for the first time and revisit Wade Wilson. Will, you know what to do. Yes, it's time to press play on Deadpool 2, Deadpooler. <laughs> <laughs> Deadpool 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Couldn't resist. So, 
Lighting too up. Too dead, too pool. No. 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 I, I, Sorry. I, I, Sorry, I, everyone. I Sorry. regret trying to start the film. I know. That's my, that's my bad. You're just an awful man. <laughs> Deadpool 2 Tokyo Drift. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> This episode will never end. Uh, Lighting up a cigarette, a depressed Deadpool turns on the gas in his apartment's oven as he looks at pictures of him and Vanessa before laying to rest on some full oil drums. Flicking his cigarette into the air, it lands inside one of the drums, exploding him into pieces. As his head flies through the air, he brings the story up to speed so far. Since his last adventure, the Merc with a Mouth has spent the last two years travelling across the world fighting various organised crimes. After failing to kill a target who locked themselves inside a panic room, he makes a quick getaway with the help of his cabbie friend Dupinda, who also wishes to become a contract killer. So I, it's the second time for me seeing this. I, I mean, Deadpool 1 I've seen so many times. I've watched it over and over again. But for some reason, I just saw this once at the cinema. I never saw it again for some reason. I'm the same. Yeah, I'm yeah. the same. I, I, I don't understand that. Cause, but but <clears> second <throat> time watching it, it's just as funny as when I saw it at the cinema. I was howling. But- I think Depin- I wasn't howling. I think Depinder is really great. Really, really great. I love that actor. He's really um, developed him a bit more in this, I felt. Like he's become yeah. a bit more than just some random... Uh, a bystander. He's actually a part of his little circle of friends. Yeah, he's like his Alfred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Alfred. Yeah, it's Alfred. Uh, yeah. Arriving back at his flat to Vanessa, the two embrace and they decide to have a baby. Later that evening, Wade and Vanessa's romantic night is interrupted when one of the gangs he hit earlier busts into his apartment, bent on revenge. After an intense fight with guns and kitchen utensils, Wade fails to kill the gang leader with a cream cheese spreader before he finally, sorry, before he fatally shoots Vanessa. Distraught, he jumps out of the window and chases after Vanessa's killer, who almost escapes in a car. Smashing him out of the driver's seat, Wade stares at the gang leader and pulls him into the path of an oncoming truck killing him. The kitchen scene in this one felt very much like a John Wick movie. You can tell with the director. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I I don't think I knew going into this. I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd seen any John Wick before seeing this movie. So I didn't know the the connection, as it were. Oh, you have seen all um, the John Wick. Are you up to date with John Wick? I don't really know. I I'm I'm not. I'm not. I've I've seen. I, I don't really know. I I I tried to watch the first one, and I didn't like it, and so oh. I turned it off. And then I don't think I saw the second one, and then. People kept talking about it, and along the way, one night, I just wanted to go to the cinema and watch anything. Mm. So I went to see, I think maybe the third one at the cinema, and absolutely loved it and had the most amazing time and thought it was incredible. So in my mind, I've been like, oh, I should go back and watch them. I still didn't really like the first one. I thought the first one wasn't particularly good. The first one feels... Okay, we're going to gush a bit about John Wick, just for a quick bit. Just a quick tangent about John Wick. I remember my mate telling me about it at work, and this is the only time I ever heard about it. He was like, oh, it's Keanu Reeves, but someone killed his dog and he's bent on revenge. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. And I was watching the trailer and went, okay, that could be good. And then it becomes this whole surprise hit franchise and in every film is better than the last film but yeah the fa- i like that i like that's the reason i like the fast and the furious movies yeah because they just keep getting better amazing I, I i have a lot of love for wick also this film much like wick very somber right at the start as well like a really like they do there are the jokes you get the jokes there's some really good jokes but i like they got the balance right where they didn't try to do any jokes during any of the emotional payoffs they didn't do a quick cheap joke in there they actually really let the emotional <clears throat> and somber moments breathe 
I felt that was um, good. I, I have to say, I, I came out the cinema disagreeing and, and thinking that they really just... Uh, it, the, I, I won't harp on about this, and I don't think mm-hmm. I've got much more of the criticism for this movie, but what bugged me really about this movie when I saw it and upon watching it again is that they spend they spend the whole movie trying to do two like, two things that contradict each other. Constantly bashing you over the head with the fact that this isn't real, it's just a movie, he's just an actor, you're in the audience watching a movie, it doesn't matter, and simultaneously expecting me to give a f- about someone that died. I can't do both those things. This is not Orwellian 1984. I cannot hold two contradictory ideas and thoughts in my head. I either care about the characters or this is all bullshit. Cable like has, one or the other. Cable has always been at war with East Asia. Uh, <laughs> that's a quote. Oh, right, there that's we a, go. That's a 1984 quote. I forgot what we were talking about. Yes, yeah, there's the two yeah. contradictory quotes. Um, uh, I really want to argue now. Because I get you, I get you, but at the same time, there's got to be something, there's got to be something that drives the character, there's got to be some motivation, some drive for the character. I agree. What happens when she dies? We immediately go into a a piss-take Bond movie trailer, making huge jokes while her body falls through, it it just... We need one or the other, guys. We need less of one or more of the other. I'm not telling you which one of those things it should be. I'm just telling you what we need. Okay, well, let's go on to a more simple thing. Uh, what is Wade's love life like in the comic books? Because I've heard a lot of things about his sexuality. I'm, uh, I don't know. Okay. There is nothing particularly solid in the text... In the, in of the, the comics in the law canon that speaks to that yeah and i i don't i don't think we talked about it i i don't here's what i don't want to do mm. if you read a comic book and read deadpool and you see in that something that connects with you and something that you think is cool about his sexuality fantastic and incredible that's that that's awesome I, it, it, far be it from me or anyone else even the writer to tell you that is 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 not there right there are times when he makes there are times when he makes comments about kissing or kissing a guy or having mm. sex with a guy my read of it has always been as presented as a joke he has never had a boyfriend you know in the text he's mm. never had a one night stand with a guy in the text it's all it's all women i'm afraid um but again far be it from me if you if you look at, at the at the way he conducts himself in things and you think that that is that is a cool awesome representation or a fun representation or you see some uh, something in that that that, that connects fantastic and and again you don't have to let any writer or youtuber or podcaster say no it isn't or yes it is man so i'm just going to deal with what is there okay let's um, get, what's what's there what's solid what's solid um, in his love life well vanessa um yeah. crops up vanessa carlisle who in the comic books is a shapeshifter called copycat mm. uh, a mutant who can like look like anyone else uh and that was his girlfriend before he was deadpool when he was a mercenary and they've had a tumultuous relationship over the years um uh, she absolutely hates wade and she as we and we discussed this in the in the first uh, the first episode on it first movie um she was not beyond taking the form of one of his exes one of his dead exes just to screw with him Ooh. um yes there is um 
Oh, there's um, mm, yeah, okay, because Deadpool's Deadpool is sometimes wacky and sometimes not wacky. So he 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 meets uh, a woman called Anastasia, um, and she sees his real face and is apparently not repulsed. So they start a little little something, rekindle a kind of a romance together. Um, it starts to go quite well, and then it's revealed that uh, Anastasia is a mobster's girlfriend who basically wanted to use Deadpool's mercenary skills to assassinate the mobster, mm. cash on the insurance policy, um, all of that kind of business. And when Deadpool finds that out, um, he... He just, he just, he just kills her <laughs> in Ooh. cold blood. Oh, God. He guns her down. Um, uh, has has her has her gun down. I think he does it himself. Completely betrays her. Um, and so that was that's kind of a weird one. Now there's um, we talked about Banshee in our Phoenix episodes quite a bit. Yes, the X Men Banshee. Um, when we talked about Banshee, has the the this kind of. Uh, cousin that hates him called black tom cassidy yes indeed and one of the really cruel things that he does is um hmm. they're in love with the same woman when banshee is off being a an interpol agent the woman dies dies in childbirth and when banshee comes back his cousin uh doesn't tell him that she had a child just says that Ooh. she died and he raises this 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 child as to believe that he he's a real dad and that Banshee is this awful person. She grows up and gets the same sonic scream powers as her father and becomes known as Siren. And she joins uh, the X-Men. I think she joins X-Force for, yeah, she was X-Force for a period of time. Deadpool and Siren have an ongoing kind of relationship. Um, through some of his earliest appearances, when her age is a little bit questionable, um, it's, it's uh, yeah... Um, and uh, he's kind of quite flirtatious with her, and then when he softens and becomes kind of like an anti-hero good guy, then he ropes her into helping him, and he's he's almost like the 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 he's kind of like the boyfriend everyone tells you not to go near <laughs> because he is a loser and kind of he's an absolute loser. Um, and she like she does help him and she has a lot of affection for him but she do have to keep telling him i have no i'm never going to sleep with you that's not we're not going <laughs> to go there or do that um uh yelena belova the black widow oh yes um there is a period of time when norman osborn is running america <laughs> And has a hit. The Green Goblin is in charge of Shield, basically, mm. and has like a Black Ops hit group ran by Yelena. Um, and one of the the things they are tasked with doing is killing uh, Deadpool. Um, he pursues, despite this, he's completely infatuated with her, and Deadpool pursues her relentlessly. <laughs> like just every time she's like, "I hate you," and I'm going to kill you. He's like, "Does it doesn't enter his brain?" And he's like, "Right, okay. So if I make the reservations now, we can be sat down by about seven. Um, he even like flies a banner, um, like from the back of a plane through through like above New York with his phone number on. Um, <laughs> he manages to use his teleporter to teleport in, kiss her, and teleport out. Yeah. Um, and the very weird thing is that. You know, despite all of this wily coyote nonsense that he does, <laughs> and the fact he's the most ridiculous person alive, she does start to kind of have some affection for him and kind of like he's interested. <laughs> he's, he's very persistent. Yeah. Um, and also, 
Carol Danvers. No so, way. There's a story from 2013 called uh, Getting uh, Faced in Vegas. Might have to bleep that. <laughs> Yeah, I've had I've been the, sec- the second bleep I have to do. Yeah, sorry. I can't think how else to, to say it. Um, drunk. Just say drunk. That's not what the story's called. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. It recounts Deadpool is telling a story about a 1980s weekend he had in Vegas where they Vegas was attacked by an invasion of um, grotesque... Um, mind-controlling aliens that, that attacks the Vegas Strip. Um, Wade is trying to fight them off. And Carol Danvers is there. And at the time, she was Ms. Marvel, not Captain Marvel. They team up to fight off the invasion. And throughout the course of teaming up, they start to, you know, fall for each other. And there's a little, there's a whirlwind kind of very quick romance takes place. After the aliens have been defeated, Wade and, and Carol Danvers rush off to a nearby wedding chapel to tie the knot in a quickie 24, you know, a quickie two-hour marriage. Um, However, his uh, hopes and dreams are dashed at the altar when Captain America arrives to speak to Carol and, you know, reveals that one of the disgusting mind-controlling aliens is in charge of her brain, and that's why <laughs> she's trying to marry Deadpool. Oh. Um, and so the whole thing, uh, the whole thing gets cancelled. No wedding for Wade. No wedding for Wade. At his local bar, Sister Margaret's Wade laments to Weasel about how much he loved Vanessa. Wade is left with only a skee-ball token, an anniversary gift, as a final memento of Vanessa. He is an absolute wreck and no one can console him. That night, he continues his lamentation to Blind Al, who tries to cheer him up, but he decides instead to blow himself up, blaming himself for Vanessa's death. Swimming into the afterlife, he sees Vanessa sat in his apartment, but a barrier is preventing him from getting to her as his heart is not in the right place. A second later, he's blasted back into reality where Colossus enters his apartment and drags him to the X-Men mansion to recuperate and attempt to recruit him into the X-Men. After mentioning that Wade's heart can grow as a member of the X-Men, Wade sees that this is a sign, this as a sign, that Vanessa would want him to join the X-Men and finally agrees. Uh, there's There's a lot going on here. This is the only time I've ever heard of a theory how... The uh, Let It Go song from Frozen is essentially the same as Ye- the song from Yentl. You know, Papa, Can You Hear Me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, he's, and he's talking about it in the bar and actually playing the bit from Yentl, The Romantic Night In. There we go. And, he's, and it's like, oh, my God. Well, I've, I've, I've never seen Yentl. I'm not a Barbara Streisand fan. and Indeed, I'm not really a fan of Frozen. But I just found that really, I've never heard that theory. You, you think by now that would have been memed all over the internet. But it yeah. hasn't. It hasn't. Incredible. Also, uh, that X-Men cameo in the X-Men mansion is just fantastic. Is Very that, funny. All yeah. of them. That's actually all the actors. They're, they're, they're all there. That's, so- that's, why, that's why they doubled the budget. Yeah, it was an expensive <laughs> had, little cameo. They suddenly had 15 new wages to pay. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, also, yeah, we see TJ Miller here. Uh, he had sexual misconduct allegations against him that surfaced during production of the film. And by January 2018, some commentators uh, had actually called for Miller to be replaced in the film in a similar manner to how Kevin Spacey was requ- uh, replaced by Christopher Plummer through reshoots in All the Money in the World. Apparently, this led to an Easter egg during one of his scenes, but I didn't spot it. There, there, there's supposed to be an Easter egg where... Um, 
it was like Christopher Plummer to replace someone or something, and it was a reference to that. I, I, I you know what? I am ignorant to these allegations. Um, I really, I do not like uh, people who are abusers or harassers. Mm. However, not however. I, that's a blanket statement. If that's true, I don't mm. like that at all. I did not know that, and. You know, outside of that, I really like T.J. Miller. I really like him in movies. I really like his stand-up and stuff. Um, so I'm very disappointed. Oh, I don't I've know read, what I've, came of it. I don't know. If, well, I don't know what came of it. I've and read, I don't think we should go into it. That's okay. I've read into some things, and it's a bit. Dis- it's rather disappointing because I really enjoyed him uh, in yeah, Silicon, Silicon Valley. If you can ever watch that show, do give that show a watch. Brilliant, brilliant show about the tech industry. Anyway, let's get to let's get to more Marvel things. Has Deadpool ever joined the X Men? No, no. Uh, well, he's not. An, he's not a mutant. Let's not forget that. He's not a proper mutant, is he? He's not a mutant at all. He's a mutate, like Spider Man. Ah, uh, there we go. Okay, gotcha. Who something happens to him, which gives him powers. You know, um, the, and there's, there was always some talk of ah, it activates latent mutant abilities dormant within. Well, that's uh, who cares. That's still <laughs> that's still mutating someone. Um <laughs> but then there there actually there is an argument where you could say anyway. So the original way the X-Men was set up is that you know, they got their their powers from being mutated by like radiation. That was the whole thing of the X-Men to begin with is that they yeah. were all children of the atom of the 60s you know um and then over the years it became no 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 they're all born like with a different bit of dna because of evolution um yeah anyway no he's never been accepted into the x-men in 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 the in the regular i think there's some there's some alternate universes and and far-flung futures where he turns up um as as part of the team there was a time when the x-men had uh, their own uh, island um, just off the coast of San Francisco. It was called Genosha. Uh, no, it wasn't. Sorry, it was called Utopia. I was about to um, say no because that's something else. Yeah, yeah. They had. Uh, it was after Genosha they set mm-hmm. up Utopia, um, and they became. They were becoming almost like more of a political figure as well. Political like power with, with the X Men, um, and Wade tries to join the team. The Cyclops makes a very strong proclamation. It's never going to happen. Uh, absolutely, I I am essentially in charge of the mutant nation, and I am saying no, Wade, no. And Wolverine kind of has the counterpoint of this, which is that I'm here. What you say, and I a hundred percent understand how you feel about Deadpool. However, he may well be better off like containing him as part of our outfit rather than letting him run around as a loose cannon. Yeah. Um, and Cyclops is like, ah, I'm not sure. That's that's kind of a good counsel. And then during this period of time when he's kind of under consideration but doesn't know it, Wade keeps trying to help the X-Men publicly. <laughs> Everything he does <laughs> is draw huge negative press to mutants and the X-Men by like, fighting and murdering people in public and causing um huge kind of public outcry and scandals in the middle of like San Francisco in California all that kind of stuff. So no he does not get to join the X-Men. Um he never gets to join a public and acknowledged X-Men team. Okay. That there's an asterisk next to that. And the asterisk says, stick around for some fun stuff later on. 
Okay, fun stuff to carry on. Sorry, fun stuff to come later. Let's carry on. In a post-apocalyptic future, Cable, a cybernetic mutant soldier, stands tearfully over the charred remains of his wife and child. After coming to his senses, he activates a time machine, sending him back into the present. In the present, Colossus gives way to his first mission as a member of the X-Men. A mutant boy, Russell Collins, a.k.a. Firefist, or should I say Firefust, because he's from New Zealand, is having a... <laughs> so I couldn't resist. I, I, I'm, adi- I'm addicted to the New Zealand accent. I love it. Is having a standoff against the police outside his orphanage. Wade arrives with Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead and tries to calm down Firefist, who's adamant on setting everyone on fire. Angering the child, causing him to attack his fellow X-Men, Deadpool tries to calm him down, but is blasted into the building. Jumping out, Deadpool solves the problem his own way by knocking out the child with his sword. With Firefist subdued, he's, sub- he's fitted with a collar that negates his mutant powers. However, it's at this point that Deadpool realises that the child has been abused in the orphanage. He kills one of the staff before being tackled by Colossus and also fitted with a collar. Again, uh, with, it's, it's some, there's some somberness with this film. Uh, the tragic scene with Cable staring down at the, 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 the remains of his wife and child. That's, a, that's oh. pretty strong. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty strong. You can, you, like, you know, you're watching this for laughs and you're going, I don't, I, I'm not laughing here at all. But yeah, great setup for the character. Uh, you know, g- brilliant. A uh, lot, a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs here. I won't, I won't go over too much over the jokes. Uh, you stole that line from RoboCop because that immediately came to mind when Colossus says, "Come with us, come, come quietly, or there will be trouble." Ah, come quiet, yeah. And then they both go, "You stole that from RoboCop." And also, I think me and me and me and the wife, we 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 giggled a lot with at the line. You just stay there with your secret sex lips. <laughs> Pointing at the orderly, and he has weird, weird lips. Oh, okay, there we go. It's the context that we're missing. Sorry, yeah. you just stay there with your secret <laughs> sex lips. Uh, one thing I absolutely hate, and it's not just about this movie, it's any any time this happens anywhere, is yeah. uh, collars that turn off powers. Oh, oh God. God, yeah. Any yeah. Anything, any dampening feel, anything. Anything, it's like we cannot be bothered to come up with a real way out of this. I just it invalidates powers so much. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a bit if that existed. Yeah, every cop in America, every soldier, every government official would have one, and mutants wouldn't be a problem. That's yeah. what would happen. That, something it's, something else ugh. happens in this film that we, on a similar level, and Deadpool actually does the whole fourth wall breaking. He goes, "That would just be ra- lazy writing, wouldn't it?" And it's like I'm surprised they didn't do that at this bit. Because it's just it's 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 a, it's a but, magic. But it, it, it's not. But it's not unique to this movie. It's loads of movies, yeah. and it's comic. It's 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 Marvel comics as well. I, I really hate it. Now I don't want to get too far into the Batman Begins. Let's show all the admin. But I would be very interested. I would have actually liked some explanation as to how this works. Like just a quick. Why? Why? Because it seems Why? too magic. Why? It's... Why? <laughs> Why? Go and read a textbook, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking mutants and superheroes. Don't bring your nerd crap around here. But surely why? Because it seems too magic. Who cares? How does Iron Man's armor work? Who cares? They explain it. It's robots. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. You see him with a soldering iron, and then he can fly. Yeah, but- we don't need anything else. It shows you're putting the jump the booster in. This. Who cares? 
We don't know the science behind the Hulk thing. We don't care. It doesn't matter. This is... Oh, we're going to do a, a special... A special episode that's all about people like you wanting to kill magic and make things not cool anymore. I think it's pretty cool to make things not magic, but that's just me! So anyway, Firefust, is he a Deadpool character or an X-Men character? He's he's a yeah he's an X Men character R- Rusty Collins. Um, Ru- sorry 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 Rusty. Rusty Co- yeah Rusty is his name R- Russell Rusty Collins. Wow uh, he has ginger hair in the comics. Mm. Um, his mutant power is because he's got ginger hair. Yeah, you can make fire. Um, mm. it, it it manifests itself when he was like sixteen and he accidentally burned a woman very badly. I can't remember she I don't remember if she died or not. Um. And he's um, he escapes from prison because he's a scared kid and he doesn't know what's going on and uses his powers to burst the flames and get out of prison. And that's when he comes across a team called X Factor. Aha! Now, uh, at this period of time in the 80s, the original X-Men, uh, which is Cyclops, Jean Grey, Marvel Girl, uh, the Beast, Angel, and Iceman, they had reformed, but they were no longer X-Men. They'd all come back together from their separate lives. They graduate from the X-Men. Um, we all know that several of them went off to become part of the Champions, the greatest Marvel team of all time. Mm. Um, they kind of came back together, and they formed a new team called X-Factor, completely separate to the X-Men. Um, and they had this plan, right, that was basically Ghostbusters, but with mutants. What? So. They, in their human secret identities, as Scott Summers, Jean Grey, Warren Worthington, they uh, had like a company called the X-Terminators. If you see a dangerous mutant in public, call us. Who are you going to call? Us, the X-Terminators. We'll come and get rid of the dangerous mutant with our special equipment, and we'll hand it over to the authorities. Call us today if you see one of those dangerous mutants. And but what they would do is when they would get to the dangerous mutant, like Rusty Collins, they would uh, not give him to the authorities. <laughs> they would take him in and like help him. Uh, and so they had this other team. When they're in their costumes with their mutant powers, they were X Factor, dangerous mutants that the world hates. Um, it doesn't sound like a terrible plan. That no. No, it is a terrible plan. It's just stoking the fuel, stoking the fire Actually, yeah. of mutant human division. Sorry, Um, I was looking at that uh, purely a commercial perspective. Uh, Oh, no, it's a good business plan, yeah. Completely forgetting the ethical perspective. That is is quite shameful of me. I do apologise. It turned out to be uh, that actually the the whole thing was proposed and they were all being manipulated by a bad guy who Mm -hmm. was able to slightly nudge them psychically in the direction of being stupid and thinking this was a good idea. Anyway, Rusty was one of these kids, Fire Fist was one of these kids who um, they went and kind of publicly captured and then they went, hey, do you want to come and live with us? We've got a really cool setup. We're X Factor. Uh, we'll treat you how to not burn women alive. <laughs> That's part of our whole deal. Um, he forms a relationship with one of their other kind of like wards or whatever you want to call it, hang around with them. Um, uh, she's called Skids. Um, Sorry, could you repeat that, please? S K I D S skids. I don't even want to know what her power is. Yes, you do. Is it what I think it is? What do you think it is? 
What do you... What, Rob, my dear chum. <laughs> when someone says to you, skids, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Skiddies. <laughs> and could you explain what skiddies are for our transatlantic friends? Uh, for boken fellas who don't wash their arse properly. Yeah. It's... Uh, uh, no. Skid marks. Skids has a super slippery force field around her, so no one can like grab her or capture her. She just skids away. So she doesn't. She's not a mutant that has anything to do with poo stains in the pants. No, no, she's no just, poo stains. She's just no. a very lubricated lady. <laughs> oh dear me! One thing to another. One thing to another. You were so focused on being careful with poo stains, you you slipped up. <laughs> Me, with a very slippery let. Oh God, this there, there's a filth in this episode. I'm going to have to beep the entire lot, and we're going to have to stop doing this. Uh, Five Fist Rusty Collins. He does. He does have quite a connection to the characters, kind of in this movie. Um, he joins the New Mutants eventually, um, uh, and then Rusty and and kind of his girlfriend Skids become brainwashed by Strife, Cable's, like, number one nemesis, mm. and join Strife's... They become his soldiers and join his uh, his group, which is called the Mutant Liberation Front. Um, and um, and he's present during an attack. Like, it's the first time in the comics we see Cable and X-Force attack... Sorry, the New Mutants attack Strife and the MLF. Mm. And, and Rusty and Skids, who are... They've been brainwashing to join the team they're not quite there they see cable turn up and just start murdering terrorists <laughs> he guns down one of the mlf members called sumo he also guns down rusty um shoots him in the shoulder doesn't kill him but badly injures him and so uh they do not like cable uh rusty would not be a fan of cables whatsoever because they're all like oh you know one minute they're with the new mutants the next minute they're they're going to fight the new mutants but the new mutants have become a paramilitary organization and cable is just firing rounds into the uh the enemies uh the mutant enemies which is not what the x-men ever did uh, he does turn up in in uh, one of the X Men cartoons. Um, no mutant is an island. Features uh, a younger, a younger, um, yeah, probably even younger than this version of of, of Rusty. Um, he is um, he is pyro uh, fire powers again, and he is uh, possessed and controlled by a telepathic mutant, nay, that you'll know, mm. called Kilgrave. Ah. Um, who uh, uses him to become uses everyone to help himself become the governor of Nebraska? That's what he really wants to do <laughs> with his mind control powers. Um, and they Kilgrave. Oh my God! The ambition of a man is sometimes scary, isn't it, Rob? The ambition—it's yeah. alone. The problem with Kilgrave is he's such a horrible rapist and abuser that Which was- you've got to change. Which one's Kil- Jessica Jones, Kilgrave, David Tennant, the Purple Man. The pur- I was about to say, it's the Purple Man. Yeah, but I- he's not called that outside of comics, is he? Yeah, I, I, I no, no, I, I, I call him the Purple Man. <laughs> he wears Good. purple. He does wear purple. He's he pur- is a man. He's the Purple Man. Also, I don't know if <laughs> Jeff Purple Man. Pleased to meet you, <laughs> Jeff Purple Man. I'm choking to death. Uh, I have to say, I really hope we get to handle the Jessica Jones series at some point. It's on the docket, uh, waiting for a a place to slot it in in the coming months. I think 
Before the end of the summer, certainly. Definitely, because just just for David Tennant's performance alone. Mm, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, only be able to cover like the first two episodes, but mm. I think there's enough in there for us, especially with Jessica, who is a, a rich character with a great behind-the-scenes kind of story and someone we've never looked at before. Oh, indeed. Uh, yeah. Anyway. What was that? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I've been re-watching The Wire. So that was my Omar. Oh, indeed. You know. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah, Gr- maybe. Granted, not one of his well-known catchphrases, but it is something he said. Uh, okay, never mind. Uh, Wade and Firefist are taken to the Icebox, an isolated prison for mutant criminals. However, with the collar activated, Wade's power of regeneration is negated, causing his cancer to spread. Elsewhere, Cable appears and acquires transportation before gearing up to hunt down his targets. The next morning at breakfast, Firefist tries to take down one of the bigger prisoners and gets Wade beaten up. Uh, just a quick one, uh, just re- reminded me. Uh, when um, Cable appears in the present, there's two hillbillies, aren't there, sitting by a truck. And one of them is obviously played by a guy from Firefly. You, you can obviously tell it's the, the... You remember the guy from Firefly? Wash? Wash from, Fire, Wash from Firefly. I can't remember the actor's name. And the other one apparently is Matt Damon. Appar- oh, really? Apparently the other one's Matt Damon. I, I was tempted to put down the production notes, but it's such a minor thing. But yeah, Matt Damon. It, 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 in, in yet another Marvel film doing an incredibly minor role. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Because yeah, he was in another... We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, but first of all, has Deadpool... Has Deadpool ever lost his healing powers in the comics? I'm I'm fairly certain there's probably quite quite a lot of instances where some where someone's come along and negated his powers. There's there's some mutants out there called like there's Leech um, who's kind of an X Men character who can negate powers, and so there probably have been times here and there. Um, the the most the most um, like famous or major occurrence of it lasting more than just like you know a few pages in in one issue. Or, or happening as like a cliffhanger at the end of a comic, was um, in, uh, I forget the year now, but it's part of the storyline called Dead. When Daniel mm. Way, who took over Deadpool and was writing quite a lot of really cool influential stuff with him, um, influential for the character, not for the wider... No. no. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, like um, a, a serum or something is invented which cures um, Wade of both his cancer mm. and his healing ability. Okay. Um, and he becomes kind of regular again. So his old face comes back. Oh, very um, nice. And he looks like Ryan Reynolds. He does not, because this is long before that. Oh. Um, he, however, he basically spends the entire story arc looking forward to dying. Oh. It's oh, yes, presented course, yes. during... During Daniel Way's kind of like series, that up to this point, really, this kind of Way's just not happy, and his immortality is is basically a curse, and it's a large part re, re, being able to regenerate like mm. he can, because he had like hyper regeneration abilities, and you see them way beyond Wolverine, like with Wolverine, because it was adamantium skeleton. Like you don't see that many. He gets shot a lot and stabbed. But like Wade is loot is regrowing arms and limbs and legs yeah. and torsos and stuff. Like regrowing organs and things. And you're seeing a lot more like it's it's kind of a um it it really 
to to think kind of a bit broader about it, it really strips him of his humanity. Yeah. Like it really makes him something that isn't human anymore. Um and so he he really is kind of looking forward to finally dying. Um he does however as various people in his life that he's connected to come under threats from enemies of his he has to kind of suppress this will this 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 desire to die in order to like help his friends out and save them and after he loses his healing factor he realizes um well two things he realizes one he he feels more alive than ever before like previously he wasn't really because he couldn't die he was never really alive oh, and also yes. As part of that, he realizes what a crap fighter he has become. He's really let himself go. He's become completely undisciplined because he just relies on his healing ability to compensate for skill. Exactly, because there's nothing. There's no punishment. There's nothing to learn against. It's if you die, he has another chance. He doesn't need to stop someone yeah. from shooting him or stabbing him. Yeah. Or so he hires um, someone to get him back into real great assassin shape. He turns to someone we've already seen. This is our second connection between Deadpool and uh, a movie that was released last year. He turns to the Taskmaster to help, help train him. Uh, in the comic books, the Taskmaster, go back and check our Black Widow episode. There's some cool, cool stuff in there. The Taskmaster from the comics uh, is a very unique guy who does not really commit crimes himself. He trains your henchmen, your assassins, your mercenaries to be the uh, the best they can be using his photo memory reflexes. Yes, that's so, I remember uh, now. I remember that now. Great. That's how he gets back into shape. Of course he does come back. He does get his healing factor back again. I was about to and say that's he, he must come back. That's one of it his... en- it ends up becoming even more ridiculous and powerful than ever before because excess cells well like as ridiculous and powerful as the punisher becoming the new silver surfer that Um, that, i remember that that was mental punisher becoming the new silver surfer we did a thing uh an episode and i swear it was the punisher ghost rider ghost rider i think you mentioned a plot where that happened essentially no it's ghost rider becomes the new silver sorry what does the punisher become i i i i don't really remember (laughs) Probably I'm be- not sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough with that. As Wade lies bruised in his cell, Cable makes his move and breaks into the facility, raising the alarms and breaking open the cells. However, it soon becomes clear that Cable isn't there to rescue, but to assassinate as he starts taking aim at Wade and Fire Fist. As the two try to escape, Cable blocks their path, saying, Hello, Russell. Wade tries to defend Fire Fist, and after fighting Cable, accidentally breaks his collar giving him his powers back. With newfound vigour, Wade fights Cable again with better results. Grabbing hold of Cable's plasma rifle, he overcharges it, sending the cyborg through a wall before asking him why he's trying to kill a child. Cable explains that he's from the future and to stay out of his way. The two fight again, with Cable taking Vanessa's token and Wade activating one of Cable's bombs, throwing both of them out of the icebox and down a cliff but not before Firefist over his Wade denied that he cares for the young mutant in order to protect him. I've got to say, uh, Josh Brolin, again, nailing it. Uh, it's, I mean, he was already you know, a pretty good Thanos, I thought. But we'll, obviously we'll come, we'll come to that when we deal with uh, Thanos in more detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, he's, he's good, good in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the voice. 
It's the voice. It's the stoic stare. It's oh, I just I I, I just loved him in this. Also, there's a brilliant term. Not a very energetic fella, is he? You you couldn't have him play a crack addict or something. He's you know, and he sort of do. Slow, moving slowly yeah. and speaking softly. That's all he can do, really. He he, he has a, he has a type that he plays. It's not going to say he's typecast. Like I remember seeing seeing him in uh, Sacramento, whatever that was, the Dennis Villeneuve film about the uh, about the drug cartels. Oh. Yeah, I Sicario. 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 Yeah, he, he was brilliant in that. He was brilliant in No Country for Old Men and that other uh, Coen Brothers film. Love him. Very good, brilliant Terminator vibe as well. If you're going to play someone like this, you've got to be the kind who's just a force of nature bursting through where there's chaos going around, and it, it just does it perfectly. Uh, also, I love the line, give me a bow and arrow and I'm basically Hawkeye. <laughs> I must have missed that. Oh yeah, he's, he's basically explaining his powers and saying, you know, that's it. I just heal. Like, give me a bow. Well, give me a bow and arrow. I'm basically Hawkeye. Uh, also, the line of love. They keep a monster in the basement right next to a huge steaming bowl of foreshadowing. Very good. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so let's get let's get down to it. Is this how Cable and Deadpool first meet? No. Um... Deadpool debuts before uh, the X-Force comic comes out. So he debuts in, in New Mutants 98, um, where he just kind of explodes onto the scene and it feels very much like he's meeting Deadpool for the uh, Cable for the first time. Deadpool has to basically confirm that the person he's fighting is Cable, uh, mm. his target um, that he's been hired to kill, and reveals sort of announces and reveals to Cable that he's been hired by Mr. Tolliver, um, oh, Mr. yeah, Tolliver. Not, so if not you head Bolivar. over to no, not Bolivar, Mr. Tolliver. <laughs> so if you head over to uh, our bonus episode all about Cable, yeah. you'll know and find out that Mr. Tolliver is a very significant character in his past slash future. Bolivar um, and Tolliver. Sorry, I'm still obsessed with those. Been names. hired to by Mr. Tolliver to assassinate mm. uh, Cable, and they get this big fight <clears throat> with uh, the rest of the New Mutants and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's for a long time. That was their first meeting, and then they started producing a billion different wacky Deadpool comics with lots of wacky Deadpool short stories mm. that I I guess we have to consider canon. Um, there was a one called Deadpool Nerdy Thirty, and it had a short story, a very dumb short story called Baby's First Cable. Uh, it is the untold first meeting between Wade and Cable. Uh, baby Wade Wilson celebrating his first birthday. Just as he's about to blow out the candles, Cable arrives and shoots him. Oh, Cable claims that he has to kill Wade for what he's going to become in the future. And then suddenly, a second Cable appears from the further in the future who wants to save Wade and stop his younger self. And then a third Cable arrives and says, the X-Men will hunt them both down if anything happens to baby Wade. And on and on it goes. Um, yeah. Like the snakes, the, the snake time travel episode of Rick and Morty. Not necessarily an original idea yeah. in, in sci-fi comedy, yeah. but done incredibly well in that episode. I, would, um, I, I went, I, re- I rewatched some of that Rick and Morty, and the snake time travel was one of those. So, well, I, 
so good because I because I remember not enjoying that season, but when I rewatched this episode, I was like, I, I bet I, don't, I think I might have skipped it or something because I was just really bowled over by how good it was. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, it is either an iconic moment in New Mutants '98 <laughs> uh, when Deadpool makes his first appearance, or it is a, a kind of dumb story. Great artwork. It's Scotty Young, I think, doing it, and I like Scotty Young. He does very stylized art and stuff, but it. Didn't feel like it should count, but I don't know, man. So much of the Deadpool stuff feels like it shouldn't be canon, but maybe it is. It feels like a, a pile of ideas that just shouldn't be. Just, 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 a, just a bunch of scrap. A scrap. Uh, you... it, 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 it's hard doing such a comedy character mm. in a, in the confines of something that thrives through its continuity mm. and its interrelation and its history and its canon okay back to the film during their fall cable is able to grip onto a ledge but wade falls straight down and through the ice sending him to the afterlife again to see vanessa she tells wade that he needs to protect Firefist and is thrown back into reality once more climbing out of the ice and catching his breath talking to weasel at sister margaret's wade realizes he needs to be selfless and that with cable on the loose he needs to establish a superhero team and break Firefist out. Meanwhile, Cable returns to his hideout and has flashbacks of his family just before they were murdered. At the prison, another fight breaks out, forcing Firefist to go down to the maximum security containing the sorry, maximum security wing containing the most dangerous mutant in the icebox. Sitting outside the cell, Firefist talks through the door and makes friends with them. So I liked that they hinted towards this powerful mutant and then never tell you who it is. And I and, and and I I I never realised we were supposed to really guess. I just thought, oh, there's just a powerful guy in there. Were we meant to guess? Do you think what what made you think we were meant to guess? Well, on the second viewing, there's there's a steaming bowl of foreshadowing, uh, if you will. It, it makes you think like, oh, there are mutants in here, and they hint towards the most powerful one. So if you hear like in an X, technically an X Men film, or the most powerful mutant, and you're going to go, oh, who could it be? Who could it be? Who could it be? Oh yeah, I don't. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't. But they didn't give us any clues. There's no way of guessing. Oh, there's there's absolutely no way of guessing. It's a good. It's like the first guess in Wordle. You just. <laughs> oh hello, someone's on the Wordle, are we? Love it, mate. I, it gives I, me a nice little boost at, at ten past midnight every day. I'm like, hey, I've done something. I'll go to bed now. I, I I'm, I'm not going to play it. I play real. Okay. I play real games with violence. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You play games with with the half that I was like I I was amazed you didn't play Marvel versus Capcom. Do you, I don't I have a feeling you don't play fighting games. You play I, games with stories. I don't like games that you can win by throwing the controller at a floor by mashing you know the buttons not, like mad. You know that's not true. You fighting, know that's not fight, true. Fighting games are just mashing the controller. I like a bit oh, of strategy. Oh, there's no skill in a fight. No, no strategy in a fighting game. No. In a one-on-one fighting game, there's no strategy. Nope. I've, I've played. Okay. I've played them, mate. I've got. I've Keep got reading them. your little words. Come on, come on, get on with it. I'm not <laughs> until I get an apology and a kiss on the cheek. Marvel vs. Capcom is really genuinely brilliant game. I I know Capcom do good fighting games, but I might get it just for the Marvel characters and. Pla- that's exactly that's only why I got it. I don't really know outside of Street Fighter, and 
uh, is Mega Man? I think Meg- Mega, Mega Man's, Man's Capcom no, and Castlevania. Yeah, um, um, but even those, I don't really recognise the Castlevania well, characters. I, I want to get it for the Resident Evil characters. I want to see the Resident Evil characters fight in a game. Uh, it's just a guy with a uh, like, like no. I, I don't have a connection to them really. Yeah. It's just quite dull in all the other colourful costumes. Here comes a policewoman with a gun. Ah. <laughs> like, uh, Cool. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't describe why that is less exciting to me, like Ryu, which is a dude in his pajamas. But it, it for some reason, is. Yeah. No, you got a point. So in the film, we get some flashbacks here. So in the comics, where is Cables from? Two thousand years in in the future, roughly, mm-hmm. um, a world that has been ravaged by apocalypse, who rises to power. And commits genocide against mutants and humans. And yeah, Cable's raised by a, kind of a religious sect slash resistance force called the Clan Ascani, who were uh, dedicated to uh, saving as many people as they can, but also getting rid of Apocalypse. Um, Cable becomes this, this battle hardened uh, warrior with a uh, cybernetic arm, cybernetic eye grows up to to lead the resistance against Apocalypse's empire and um, someone called Strife, who he has an awful lot of uh, animosity and problems with. Um, Yeah, that's where he's from. Uh, Rashid doesn't play much of a part here in this movie, but for the full story on on, on Cable's origins, um, our future and his past... Uh, patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel the life and times of cable will give you everything including the very important marvel character that he's connected to and i might might i say definitely a good episode worth checking out on on not on patreon oh yeah okay the next day deadpool and weasel start interviewing candidates for x-force his new team the candidates include bedlam who can manipulate electricity Zeitgeist, who could spit acidic vomit. The Vanisher, who is completely invisible. Shatterstar, an alien from the planet Mojo World. Domino. Mojo World! Mojo, yeah, is Sorry. That, I remember that from the cartoon. <laughs> why, why'd you have to yell Mojo World? Because I love Mojo World. Why? It's weird. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it, is it, who's the guy, who's the big green thing who sits in a chair watching the TV who's basically a producer? Is that Mojo? Who's it? The guy in charge of Mojo World? Is that Mojo? Mojo, Mojo yeah. I remember in the cartoon, it was like, yeah, I see who this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be every annoying TV exec, isn't it? Um, yeah, Mojo World is... Um, we'll talk about it in a minute, because we're going to talk about it. We are going to talk about it anyway. Uh, Domino, who is extremely lucky. And Peter, just a regular guy without powers, but saw the ad and thought it would be fun. <laughs> uh Great to see Terry Crews, Zazie Beats, and Rob Delaney in this. I, 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 I knew they were going. I knew that Terry Crews was going to be in it because obviously there was some in the trailer. Uh, I just was excited to see her and Zazie Beats. If you haven't seen her in, a, she she's in Atlanta, isn't she? The TV show Atlanta. I remember right. Maybe, maybe. I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But if I'm right, yeah, yeah, check her out in Atlanta. She's, she's incredible. If I remember right, uh, Rob Delaney, very funny in this. Very funny man. Uh, a historical moment in the history of the podcast. The first time we've done a movie where one of us has worked with one of the stars. No, um, you have not. Yeah, yeah. I don't like know him or anything, but yeah, a little little cheeky gig with Delaney and a little little car journey with him. That's yeah. nice. 
Oh, very he, good. Well, he slept on the back seat, so <laughs> <laughs> there was no you know. conversation. Uh, yeah. So we got who we got here? Got Bedlam, Zeit Guys, Vanisher, Shatterstar, Domino, and Peter. Are these characters from the Marvel comics, or were they made up just for the movie? What do you think? I think all of them are characters in the comics except Peter. Bing, bing, bing. There Have a sausage. Hey. Have a sausage. Um, yes, they're all, aside from Peter, who was invented for the movie, um, all are members of different versions of X Force over the years. Yes. So, Bedlam. Um, Bedlam has a weird. Like, so Bedlam makes his first appearance not in the regular universe. He makes Bedlam's very first appearance is in the Age of Apocalypse, Ooh. an alternate reality. Um, and then later on, he, he we, we meet his kind of regular world counterpart. Um, so he, he can... Um, he's got this bio... He has um, an electromagnetic field that is created by his body. Mm. It was originally he was able to like like he was like a walking EMP. Oh, he could lovely. shut off technology. Yeah, um, and then he got uh, his powers got increased, and he was able to shut off parts of your brain with it. Through yeah, he mentioned kind of, that, that in kind the of film. chemistry. Yeah, um, and he was uh, recruited to an aspect of X Force by Domino. Um, of course, great performance of Vanisher by Brad Pitt here. Um, <laughs> It, Vanisher in the comic books, Vanisher uh, does not have invisibility, mm-hmm. uh, but teleportation. Um, he is one of the X Men's oldest enemies. He appears in issue two. Mm. Uh, has the ability to teleport to anywhere imaginable, making him v- virtually unstoppable <laughs> in whatever he wants to do. He's, he's he looks like a he's got he has one of the, he he honestly he looks like the Hamburglar. Like, no, <laughs> he's got. But without a Hamburg head, right? He's got like a little cape, and he's got like a little leotard kind of stocking things on, and he's got the great big robber's mask and a swag bag. Yeah, he just teleports wherever he wants. Um, so he sounds like the Riddler. Uh, sorry, he, can, we, can we just for a second Zeitgeist? That is a weird no, name for his ability. We well, if him. you just we haven't got well, to him yet. We haven't got to him yet. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm reading in order of We're what talking I just about said. the Vanisher. Okay, let's talk about the Vanisher. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> if you don't mind. Don't, don't. <laughs> interrupt me. Move on to the next one. You see what happened there? I play video games so much. I actually just pressed X to skip conversation. <laughs> X, skip X, conversation. X, X, X. Let's get to Vanisher. So, in his first appearance in X Men issue two, if you don't mind, Will, yes. if I can eludicate the audience, you, you, you can put your fingers in here if you're not interested. Um, he uh, teleports kind of all over the all over America, stealing um, government secrets, confidential like data and stuff, and uses it to try and extort millions of dollars from the U.S. government. Um, and he then goes to the lawn of the White House to wait for payment. Um, <laughs> Professor X and the X-Men are... They can't stop him. The X-Men can't stop him because he just keeps vanishing. However, the plot is resolved when Professor X remembers he can do anything he wants to people's minds and just turns his brain off and gives him amnesia. <laughs> I I was I was actually going to ask you how they stopped him. It sounds popular. I should have guessed. Like, you, it only happens missed- a couple of times. It's like... That should be the end of every plot. Professor X is a terrifying amount of power. <laughs> he can do that whenever he wants. What's his excuse? And we just for never have to doing trust. It. What's his excuse? We don't. We don't know if he does or doesn't, because our memories are only what he allows us to have. 
<laughs> he's a terrifying man. Um, he is forced to join X Force, the Vanisher, during the Messiah War. Um, that sounds so, hardcore. Yeah, uh, very connected to Cable. So, do I smell um, another bonus episode on the horizon? To get to the Messiah War, we'd have to do the Messiah Complex first, which is another awesome crossover. Oh, there's, a, there's so many things to do on the bonus shows. Um, so he is. They need him to go and steal a a a vial of the Legacy Virus, which again you'll know from that last bonus episode. Mm. The only way to get it is by someone like like the Vanisher. Uh, the Vanisher kind of refuses to join them. So one of the team, one of the uh, members of X Force is called Elixir, mm. and Elixir can do things to do with uh, medicine and your body. So Elixir gives the Vanisher terminal brain tumor. Wait, wait a minute. She can do things to your body and with medicines. So she, she, she Elixir is a dude and has. Basically, the ability to cure you of almost anything, yeah, but also could give you diseases as well. Oh, like through through like pointing at you, not through making things. No, yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. kind of hands-on healing, right? Okay. Um, so Cyclops has Elixir give the Vanisher an, an inoperable brain tumor, Ooh. and Cyclops, who at this point is not screwing around with anyone, is like, "Hey, guess what? You do whatever I say now. You've just joined X Force." Um, <laughs> now, I don't think anyone wants to know about Zeitgeist, do they? Do they? Do they? Well, the, the, the thing is, Zeitgeist is that such a ridiculous name because it has nothing to do with his power. It's not. No. Okay. So five years before The Boys comes out, yeah. X-Force gets completely rebooted by an incredible creative team, Peter Milligan and Mike Alred, very great auteurs in comic book world, um, especially in the independent comic scene. And they create Marvel's first celebrity reality TV show superhero mutant group. Okay. Um, and this group has nothing to do with the X-Men, but they go... X-Force as a name tests really well with key demographics. So we're the X we're X-Force now. Um it's powerfully cynical, dark, violent. It's a real satire on fame and consumerism. And Zeitgeist the other names of the of the of the, of the teams are like You Go Girl and <laughs> uh <laughs> God. And, and Zorp and stuff. It's just really um Sorry, could, yeah. you, could you repeat that? Zorb. You, Zorb, yeah, I, I, I think I'm getting that right. I don't know how many R's are in it. Um, and, um, yeah, just very strange names. And you shouldn't get attached to them because everyone keeps dying. So Zeitgeist is like the initial leader. Mm. Uh, he can spew this 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 ooze, this vomit thing that burns people alive, um, dissolves any substance in the world. The He's tormented by nightmares of, like, the first time it happens. Mm. He's... Uh, making out with a girl on a beach and then burns her face. No! Um, he becomes famous as the leader of X-Force, the new X-Force. It's got nothing to do with Xavier's people. But he hates uh, the general public <laughs> who adore him, and he hates all of his teammates because they're in- he believes them inferior to himself. Mm. He is a completely self-interested, or is an Awful, awful human being. Um, yeah. Zeitgeist, baby. Um, 
Domino is you've got a, you ask about Domino I've seen your question so you ask about Domino when we should get to do a little bit more later on she's a major part of X-Force so we'll we'll dive into Domino uh, a little bit a little bit later on Shatterstar is another like key 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 kind of Rob Liefeld creation from yeah. the from the uh, the early 90s along with Deadpool and um Cable he is like used as an example of the wild macho excesses of the the kind of the early 90s in the superhero American superhero comics he is a dimension jumping time traveler a refugee from Mojo World, which is full of basically Mojo World is a satire on Couch Potato America. Um, <laughs> big kind of they they're called like like it's a it's a world where the people have evolved to be called to have no spines mm. because all they do is sit in massive well, they look like gaming chairs, quite frankly, these days. Mm. Um they sit in these kind of chairs, slouched and watch TV all the time they've all got their eyes pinned open by those yep. things from clockwork orange mm. so they never blink and miss a second of tv and um yeah it's a world where like extreme violence and reality tv shows um where slaves live fight and die for the entertainment of the masses and this tyrant mojo rules over them shatterstar is like um genetically engineered to be like the perfect kind of gladiator Mm. and he does a whole spartacus thing joins a rebellion and then ends up being sent back in time and to the earth dimension to try and get the x-men to join the cause but ends up with the x-force um and joins them and there's like the whole thing is there's no ticking clock like because he's been sent into the past so he doesn't have to immediately go home so he's like oh I'll just live here then for a bit and join the ex join x force i like That'd that be cool. because there's always that thing with time travel movies like that it was like oh i've got to do this quick and it's like hang on why not just send yourself back like a month earlier and have a nice little lie down for a bit well, it depends because Bill and Ted let us know no matter what happens in the past, this clock keeps ticking, baby. Yeah, but that all depends um, on the rules of time travel. If you don't, it have, does. if you don't have the ticking clock, why do you have to be there like minutes before before the thing happens? Just you no. Know. It, it, it's completely at odds with with Cable in, in this, mm. who is constantly like, "I've got to turn you into a, a group of soldiers capable of fighting in a war," and he keeps flipping back to the future to carry on fighting and then coming back to the past and, and yeah. then there's there's Star who's just like I wish to learn about candy TV and love <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's that's uh, that's a character who is canonically gay he is a character whose sexuality um, was speculated about when Rob Liefeld created him he was asexual and then uh, later writers um, uh, have introduced uh, boyfriends and relationships male relationships for him so that one is canon mm. um, Deadpool is a bit more open to interpretation there we go at the icebox Fire Fist is loaded onto a secure truck and transported elsewhere while Cable kidnaps Weasel and threatens to torture him for information, and Deadpool runs X-Force through the rescue plan. The next day, X-Force airdrops to stop the convoy, but are blown off course, 
leading to Bedlam fatally smashing through a bus windscreen, Shatterstar flying into the blades of a helicopter, the Vanisher getting electrocuted on some power lines, Zeitgeist flying into a wood chipper, but instead of being saved by Peter, accidentally vomits acid all over him and is sent <coughs> through to his death. This leaves just Deadpool and Domino, who is the only one flying over the convoy without a moment sorry, the convoy. Without a moment to lose, Deadpool steals Deadpool steals a moped and rides into action. Now this airdrop scene, while hilarious and disgusting, was, so funny. It's funny, but it's painful to watch. It's, when you know when you watch it a second time, because you just know, oh no, it's just it's the it's the comedy of errors kind of thing. Where yes, it's funny, but it's just like you were really gearing up for this rescue plan, and it all goes wrong on step one. No, we. Uh, Mate. I'm, I was gearing it. I don't care if it's a comedy movie. They I was introduced it. the biggest losers imaginable. Like, there was no way it was going to go in any other direction. It w- I would they have teed this up. I would have loved it if it went, if it did, they did all die, but they staggered it out a bit or it happened later. No, this is much funnier. <laughs> much, much funnier. Did you ever see the original Resident Evil film? Maybe when it first came out, but that's 20 years ago. They did a similar thing in that, where they introduced you to this crack team of commandos who were, you know, like, hey, we got to investigate the facility. And nearly all of them get killed in one scene in the beginning with the laser grid. Do you remember that laser grid that comes through and chops them all up? I don't remember the movie, no. Yeah, it, it reminded me of this. It was like, ah, damn it, why? <laughs> when so- the Suicide Comics first came out, that was kind of the, the deal, the setup. It was like these incredibly violent missions that would wipe people out, and then they'd have to... Yeah. you go, oh, that's not the team we're following. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, Weasel's little bit, uh, he does, saying he doesn't do torture... I'm just like, yeah, I, 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 I get you. And anytime there's a torture scene on television and film, I'm just there going, oh, because because you empathise the characters, and I go, no, I'm I'm telling him everything. Not even letting him yeah. touch me, and I'm telling him everything. I'm so bad with know. torture. I think the Saw movies got me out of associating with the victims of torture, and I'm just like, yeah, that'll get him. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, is there a, is there a moral story in the Saw films? Uh, yeah, have you not seen the Saw films? I don't really watch much horror or gore porn. No, the, the, the Saw the Saw films um, there's, there's, they're not like particularly worth watching. But the 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 traps are very very inventive. Yeah, from what and I've the seen, the stuff you have to do to get out of them is is kind of fun to think about and go. Oh, I wouldn't want to do that. It's from what I've seen. It's very like, what would you rather do, this or that, or you know, like it, yeah, it was, it's die or drill a hole in your own head. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not die. Yeah, um, no, but but it's like any of these movies. They're not they're not particularly well made or good. So I don't care about any of the characters. Why would I care about these characters? It's like Starship Troopers, <laughs> right? Yes. Starship Troopers presents you with these laughable American kind of stereotypes and yeah. then you get to watch them be ripped apart and it's gleeful <laughs> it's it's a very who was the director again uh Ro- it's thingy uh from robocop robocop guy um verheeren paul verheeren yeah apparently it's supposed to be a satire on uh america's uh reporting on wars and propaganda and stuff apparently and, and on military military video games that were becoming all the rage at the time yeah it's yeah, you watch it again. It's like, yeah, it's not as obvious satire as Robocop, but, you know, all the same. 
Anyway, speaking, uh, no, there's no, no, no lead on to next, my next bit. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, is this, so with this, it was X-Force, is this X-Force like in the original stories? Numpties who drop into wood chippers. No, uh, no, not at all. Um, the the original team that kind of grew out of the end, the, 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 the smouldering embers of, of the New Mutants, it was um, Cannonball, uh, Domino, Shatterstar, mm. um, a character character called Feral, Warpath, and Boom Boom, um, led by 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 Cable to aggressively tackle mutant terrorists all over the world and to fight Strife, his his big main nemesis. After and they 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 were not idiots; they're not numpties. They're kind of it's just an it's it's, a, it's an aggressive X Men comic. Mm. Um, to 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 match the tone of the of the time of the era, yeah. And you know what? The X Men were pretty aggressive at the time as well. Like the X Men were, you know, uh, Wolverine, Rogue, Colossus. They killed people, you know, in during the eighties with under Chris Clement's kind of run uh, when it was necessary. They got involved in wars and yeah. The X Men was a gritty a gritty book, but this was macho aggressive stuff this was this, yeah. yeah sounds about right extreme comics dudes like what was it attitude they got attitude attitude oh, it not your granddad's x-men mutants with attitude after rob uh Lightfield left the comic um it, its popularity waned and it, and it yeah. kind of became more of an official team related to the x-men um even though you know his cable became more and more into the fold and stopped being such a cool outsider mm. that's a dumb thing to do to the character that's a dumb thing to do to cable's character don't make him an accepted part of no. an establishment no. he's freaking cable um it's like it's like making stone cold steve austin part of you know mr mcmahon's corporation dumb thing to do <laughs> I yell that back in time to the year 2001 to hope Steve can hear me. Um, speaking of 2001, by 2001, they had ditched the concept of, of X-Force altogether and they, the, this writer Peter Milligan and artist Mike Alred came on and created that, that, that cynical team I talked about, that celebrity reality TV star, fame-obsessed team of mutants who would use the name X-Force. That is such a great series. Um, there is actually... Uh, a storyline that was so controversial it got axed and nearly got the whole it, it, it led to an awful lot of problems for it oh yeah basically um princess diana came back from the dead and became <laughs> a member of the team <laughs> yep <laughs> yep sorry i laughed as soon as i heard princess diana came back from the dead what did you say after yeah she becomes part of X-Force. She was a mutant that didn't die, and she comes back to join the team. I'm Googling because this right now. Because it's all about... It's all about... No, don't. We're doing a show. Don't Google it now. We're no, doing a show. No. We'll do an episode about it. Uh, it's all about... Diana! Fame and celebrity and, um, <laughs> and what that means, and it's so... They didn't get a chance to do it um, properly and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's... Um, that's a it's a great series, uh, but that was what the team was like two thousand and one. Was there um, any bit where she goes, "I'm going to get my revenge on the Queen" or something for setting up my assassination? It wasn't published, brother. It wasn't published. Um, oh god, that is so bad. Oh no, it was a. It would have been honestly. 
Peter Milligan is a really, really good writer. Mike Alred is a really great creative yeah, uh, genius as well. Come it's on, great. come on. Um, that's a bit on. That's a bit treading on ice, there, isn't it? Nah. I mean, yeah, obviously. I don't know why Marvel. Oh, Marvel was so edgy at the time, though. It was so edgy at the time. Two thousand and one. They just come out of bankruptcy. They're mm. desperate for any. Not desperate, but they're yeah. they're launching Ultimate Spider Man, the mature readers line, Punisher Punisher Max. Anyway, then in two thousand and eight, X Force was is is resurrected by Cyclops in the middle of Messiah Complex. This big terrible event. And and X Force is resurrected, but nobody else knows about it. None of the, mm. the X Men know about it because Cyclops resurrects X Force as a Black Ops military unit to do essentially his 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 hit squad, his wet works team that the rest of the X Men do not know about. Publicly, this team does not exist, um, and that secret Black Ops unit roughly speaking is the team that deadpool then then joins gotcha so x-force is a is a is a team that goes through so many more different changes that so many more different that's a terrible way of speaking so many different change okay so many more changes than the x-men do not in terms of membership but in terms of like intent and style and mm. what the book is is about and, and and all that um but you know they're, they're never numpties falling into wood chippers no no nah, nah, never that although your trip at your your verbal tripping up there just reminded me i was watching seinfeld earlier and george says you got anything a little more less expensive <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny isn't it that, that is, that is so such good. a brilliant line i, I love great that. george line great george what line. an act what an incredible actor he is comedic actor he holds that series together i was I'm, i was going to post this at some point without him and julia louise dreyfus that series would be not that show would be nothing yeah oh absolutely julia, julia, but 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 he 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 man he's in so many more scenes and with jerry who jerry can't act which is the problem yeah and they, and they uh, acknowledge and, this in the show with him yeah Right, sorry, X-Men. gushing about Deadpool. speaking of the nineties, gushing about Seinfeld. Uh, back to the film landing. Also, um, I'm still laughing about Princess Diana. Okay, okay. I, 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 I'm googling this <laughs> right after. I, I love this uh, landing on the streets in front of the convoy. Uh, Domino showed shows off her power as she's able to effortlessly infiltrate the truck holding Firefist and avoid. Various cars crashing around her through the sheer power of luck. However, her luck runs a bit short when Cable makes an entrance and opens fire on the convoy, but misses, uh, but misses due to Domino's luck, taking out one of the jeeps instead of the truck. So, Domino, what can you tell us about her? Is this how her powers work? Because this makes me think of the Fallout games. Because you had something called Special that makes up your character. You're different, you have num- numbers 1 to 10 for... Uh, strength, perception, endurance, charisma, intelligence, ag- agility, and luck. See, the first six ones make sense. They're actual quantifiable things you can measure people on. But luck actually determines how lucky you are. So as an, actually, as, as an actual power or a trait, uh, as a superpower, it's just interesting to see. How does it work in the comics? Because it's so down to retrospectivity. There is, uh, they, if you want, I can take all the magic out of it if you want and give you an actual what you would like. It's Metachlorians, uh, isn't it? <laughs> it's Metachlorians <laughs> again. 
<laughs> so Domino, when Cable um, turns up to take over leadership of the New Mutants, um, following their kind of break away from Xavier and the mm-hmm. X-Men, um, he's joined by one of the few people he trusts in the entire world, Domino. Mm. Domino was a mercenary and a soldier that has a history with, with Cable. Um, and, and she acts as his, like, um, his, his field, his field leader. So Cable is meant to be the general, the military general. Domino is his team leader, his, his field commander. Um, she stays with the team as they change from the new mutants to X-Force. However, after like a year of X-Force stories, the team discover that Domino is not Domino. Oh. The Domino that they have known this whole time is actually a shape-shifting mutant called Copycat, a.k.a. Vanessa. Right. In, who we, Deadpool's ex, slash in this movie, his... Well, his ex. His ex, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Copycat is working for Mr. Tolliver, an arms dealer, who wants Cable neutered and killed. And he's holding um, Domino, the real Domino hostage. Anyway, rescue thing. Real Domino then joins X-Force for the first time um, and has to kind of like meet everyone all over again. Uh, and undo any bad work that Copycat did when she was playing Domino. And she becomes that de facto leader of the team because Cable spends more and more time occupied with his uh, his, his personal war with Strife and his trips to the future. Mm. We find out through Cable's own ongoing series, we actually find out that she has this history with Cable uh, working together as mercenaries um, and criminals across the globe in a, in a team called the Wild Pack or the Six Pack. Um, oh yeah, the six and, pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We find out more about them in that bonus episode. Yeah. Um, so to take all the magic out of her powers, it's it's uh, subconscious telekinesis. Yeah. See, yeah. who cares, right? So yeah. subconscious uh, telekinesis that uh, allegedly well, not rand- random is the wrong word, but affects probability in her favor mm. by making improbable but not impossible things happen within her line of sight. Is this a thing? If, her so, pow- if, her power- I, if you will let me finish, you can have your questions after the fact. Okay. <laughs> so uh, to cause her to have good luck and opponents to have bad luck, mm. right? So as she fires at someone, subconscious telekinesis could cause her to have the perfect shot. Yeah. To hit something that maybe she doesn't even need know she needs to, right? Or she thinks she might need to hit. It creates this kind of probability field, um, which can cause an enemy's equipment to malfunction or misfire. Um, a stray shot when she misses might then hit something necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, the full extent of this is unknown. It's never been quantified or specified particularly. It also uh, affects her bioelectric pulses down her her spine to instinctively guide her movements um so it will augment her natural reflexes and reactions to superhuman levels as and when needed so it's like there's a second brain in her brain sort of autopiloting grabbing on autopilot when needed well, there's always a second brain in our brain that does autopilot isn't there yeah, but that one is all kind of a different level okay I mean. 
Yeah, I always think if it was luck and if it wasn't like a quantifiable measured thing, then it would be this massive plot hole, lazy bit of writing where the whole film could be solved with her luck. Everything could be only, solved. But only if you wrote it that way, only if you wrote it as being the deus ex machina. There's that. You didn't have to. You could write it as a thing that only does small things, yeah. improbable things, not impossible things. Yeah, but I suppose what, where I was trying to get at was where's the line? Where's the luck line? Well, again, that's you as a, it's the sonic screwdriver, right? Yes. As a writer, yes. you have to know what works against your plot and what works for your plot. Uh, Russell T. Davis, when he was writing Doctor Who, the new Who, he had a, a, a rule that was applied in the writing room, which is that the sonic screwdriver can be used to do anything except save the day. It can't. It can't be the reason yeah. that the doctor wins or defeats the bad guy. It can scan. It can scan for things. It can. It can be a torch. It can open doors. It can zap a computer into exploding. But it can't. Whatever it can do, it can't. You know, solve plot holes. I like that. That's a very good writing rule. I think everybody should take note. He's an incredible writer. I am so excited for him to get his hands on Doctor Who again. I, I was never a Doctor Who fan, but I remember watching... I've, I've watched Queer as Folk, which was... His, his, that was him. And I've watched yeah. uh, Years and Years, which I yeah. thought was incredibly hit and miss. But uh, It's a Sin, that, that, that five-part drama he yeah, did. It's, perfect it's television. Incredible. Perfect television. Incredible. Amazing. Um, I really recommend Second Coming. Ah, that's Christopher, Christopher Eccleston. Eccleston. Yeah. Um yeah. and Leslie, I can't remember her surname. Um that's that's a really, 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 really in fact I might watch that tonight. That's so good. I might have to put um, that on my to-do list because uh, there's yeah. a there was a dance or electronic music song where they sample one of his speeches in it and it sounded really good. I think it might be available on Britbox, I'm not sure. Okay, I might check it out. Anyway, let's get back to the film. As Deadpool closes in towards the truck, Cable boards it and starts working his way through the prisoner containers, trying to find Firefist before arming an explosive. While still trying to drive, Domino fires behind her with one of her bullets luckily ricocheting, hitting a gas canister, sending it flying at Cable, hurling him to the back of the truck, dropping his explosive, which detonates, tearing the truck in half. Cable leaps to the forward to the forward section while Deadpool fails to leap from the moped to the truck. Domino abandons the wheel and takes on Cable. Back on the street, Deadpool is hit by one of the convoy's jeeps and takes advantage of the situation by shooting the driver and steering the still-speeding vehicle towards the truck, which is now ploughing through traffic. Cable manages to get the better of Domino and is about to land a killing shot when Deadpool rams the jeep into the back of the truck, launching him between Cable's legs, aiming his gun at him. The two fight, allowing Domino to regain control of the truck but at, it's at this moment she realises that the truck's brake cables have broken. Cable and Deadpool face off while Firefist breaks the lock on his container, freeing him. Passing the maximum security cell, he hears a monstrous voice say, Knock, knock. Uh, I enjoyed the needless dubstep callback. I forgot about the dubstep stuff in this. I am not... I'm not an aficionado of... of I don't really Me neither. Amount of music. However, I really, really, really like 
pretty much all popular dubstep. I love it. It's I mean, energetic I, it's, music. The only stuff I heard is the crossover stuff. I guess that's in the that's in the kind of mainstream charts and stuff. And I especially love it in in movies. It's great. It, it works so well in video games uh, and things. And, and obviously, I looked at the credits and went, "Aha! Yes, it was. It did feature Skrillex because it's like <laughs> it's like Skrillex yeah. is everything to do with dubstep. Uh, so, uh, so I, some of my uh, appreciation for a bit of dubstep did lead me to discover a genre of music which I've been obsessed with for the past few years called synthwave uh which combines some of that with uh sounds of 80s <laughs> style synth synth pop synth it's well synth pop is a is is slightly something else but I could go on for ages about the different subgenres of synthwave which please I, don't please don't but I urge, urge people who like John Carpenter and 80s movies to check it out anyway this whole chase scene is great this is clearly where the extra funding went I feel it's a big set piece, yeah. It's such a good um, set piece. This and I think yeah. So yeah. Cable broke the brake cables. I did not realise that pun. Just a pleasant collection of similar words. <laughs> I mean I noticed the brake cables. Cable broke the brake cables. I really hate it now. The brake cables are broken by cable. <laughs> I mean, you, sorry. I mean, how many variations of that sentence can you say? I don't. Know. I think it's just them. Just I think the, it, he it. did them yeah. all. Have Cable and Deadpool ever fought in the comics, though? They must have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When they, when he first introduced, it's they, they fight constantly. Mm. I mean, the first time he's introduced the New Mutants, it's it's to kill uh, Deadpool's there to kill Cable. Um, he manages to take down. Uh, a couple of the mutants that are hanging around, but then Cable breaks Wade's jaw with a pretty solid punch to the face. Um, and then the rest of the new mutants arrive, and Deadpool believes, as the as the old saying goes, discretion is a better part of valor, and uh, beats a hasty retreat. And then he keeps coming back. Multiple, you know, you know, several issues later, he's back and he's back, he's back, coming to um, try and, and fight and kill Cable. But then uh, Mr. Tolliver is killed, allegedly, uh, by, by Cable and by, by Domino. And once that happens, Deadpool is not going to get paid anymore if he goes to fight and kill Cable. Mm. So that's kind of the end of that. Um, he goes off and, and, and has to have his own kind of adventures. And then in, in the Cable and Deadpool series, years, like, like maybe, a, maybe like a decade later, um, they... They bicker, <laughs> and they do get they do they, they, there's phys- physical violence. There's a little bit of scrapping, yeah. Um, but but there there is this this wacky teleporter mix up that makes them this kind of odd couple, reluctant partners, and they start to they're in each other's lives then. Mm. Um, but so yeah, it's kind of it's it's pretty intense at the start. There's a real it seems like there's a real hatred between them. Um. I mean, they're, antith- because, they're the antithesis of each other. There's bound to be. Um, they are. One's wacky and a bit chaotic. No, dead, dead, uh, go back to the first. If you've forgotten from the first time we covered this, yeah. early Deadpool is not wacky. He's not particularly funny. He talks a lot, but he's like it's like a basketball player trash-talking you. It's not funny, uh, and he's not wacky. He doesn't break the fourth wall. He is a grim mercenary with a mysterious past they're quite similar in fact mm. um but yeah but i think this there's this element of deadpool is really annoyed he can't kill cable so that's perhaps where the 
the the kind of hatred comes from. But then it goes away when he's not being paid. Yeah, that makes so. sense. While the others fight, Fire Fist unlocks the maximum security cell, freeing the most powerful mutant in the icebox, Juggernaut, who immediately pounds through the floor of the truck, causing a shockwave that destroys the bridge they are driving on, sending the truck falling. After the crash, Deadpool literally adjusts his head and finds Fire Fist climbing out of the wreckage with Juggernaut. As Deadpool gushes over how much he loves Juggernaut, the behemoth strides up to Deadpool and rips him in half. As Wade sits there with his guts hanging out, Firefist tells him he plans to go to the orphanage to destroy it with Juggernaut. Despite Wade's pleas, Domino arrives. Sorry, despite Wade's pleas, Domino arrives nearby to pick up both halves of Deadpool while Cable emerges from the rubble. Now, Juggernaut, what a great turn up! What a great turn up! Yeah, I wasn't expecting it when I first saw this. I, I didn't think it had been announced or anything, so um, was that, a, was, that was kind of fun. That's a nice little secret, and it's nice to see uh, anatomically correct Juggernaut uh, without <laughs> well, without yeah. Vinnie Jones uh, at the helm. Oh, that was so, that was just so bad all round. I'm so glad we're never going to cover X-Men The Last Stand. Unless, of course, there's enough uh, interest in our viewers for us to cover X-Men Last Stand. Please, by all means, write to us, and we'll Stop figure it. out a way. Figure Stop out a way it. of doing it that works. Both. Stop it! I've, uh, the people <laughs> will speak. We will be. That film will be vindicated. <laughs> I couldn't even keep a straight face with saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what can you tell us about Juggernaut in the original stories? We've cut. We sort of covered him before, haven't we? Yeah. Um. Each crops up in. Um... In back back in 1965, he's he's the 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 stepbrother of of Charles Xavier. Yes, um, and he is uh, treated very very b- badly by his own father, mm. who is uh, Charles Xavier's stepfather, and this guy like hates his own son and intentionally favors young Charles in front of Kane Marco. Um, to just to really mess and 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 um to torture his own son basically. Mm. Um, uh, then Kane and Charles uh end up serving in in the army in, in during the Korea War, the Korean War. Um, although probably not anymore. I don't know where they are, how this happens in the, the modern the timeline. Shifting timelines, yes. Time scale, yeah. yeah. Um. During this, Marco finds a hidden temple dedicated to the the god or the entity Sitorak. <laughs> um, and on entering, Marco finds a huge ruby and reads the inscription on the stone, which sounds very much like the one on Mjolnir. Yeah. Whosoever touches this gem shall be granted the power of the crimson gem of Sitorak. If I was them, I wouldn't have... Uh, used the word gem twice, that's just me. <laughs> Henceforth, you who read these words shall become... Forevermore, a human juggernaut, um, and he gets all that power, and it causes a big cave in. You think he's dead, and it's a really great introduction um, to uh, to this this new character. Because what happens is the the X Men are a very young team of mutants; they're not that powerful. Mm. Um, Professor X is in charge of them, and he's always one that protects them. Uh, 
the the the, the mansion where they live, Xavier's mansion, comes under attack like never before, and they all basically go and hide in the danger room, and they use it like a nineteen sixties panic room. Yeah. As the house is being like destroyed, and you just hear, you don't see Juggernaut until the very end of the first issue. It's this thoom, 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 thoom. You hear the banging and the crashing, and they're cowering away. And Xavier is telling the story of the of the stepbrother he grew up with, and the the career, and the the Crimson Gem, and this cave in, and he thought he was dead, and. And then, so you just you just haven't seen what he's become, and then bang, he finally. But it's a really genuinely dramatic and intense, you know, full of full of tension uh, when they when they debut him, and he's incredibly incredibly powerful. You know, he's yeah, he's uh, he can withstand. He can go toe to toe with Thor and and Colossus and and things like that. He is described as being unstoppable once in motion. Yes, that was it. Once um, once in motion. He does not tire ever. Uh, he doesn't have to eat or drink or breathe. Ooh. He can walk, you know, the ocean floor from coast to coast. Um, that doesn't work. Coast to coast is land. Anyway, he can walk underwater and breathe. He doesn't breathe, so he can just live underwater. Space is not a problem. Has he, um, has he really exacerbated these powers like that? Ran out of them. No, sorry, exactly. Explored them. Explored them. Yeah, sorry, explored them. Not like intentionally, because he's not. He, he, like, things keep happening to him. Um, he was stabbed through the eyes by Shatterstar, but his his eyes came back. Um, Weird. Thor once like strapped him to his hammer and threw Mjolnir into space (laughs) uh, with. Yeah. Juggernaut attached. And he didn't die. Should have thrown yeah. him at the sun. Um I Yeah, it it, it depends on it depends on what Sitarak wants to do. Because <laughs> like we talked when we talked about Doctor Strange has patrons. Yeah. His power comes from the Vishanti, the three patrons who lend their power and strength to him. Sitarak is a patron of the Juggernaut, um, and uh, when he's out causing destruction, um, Sitarak is very happy and will give him more and more power. The few times he's been a good boy, he loses his power, and his power dwindles and diminishes to to a small amount. But yeah, okay. At Blind Owls, Deadpool recovers from his injuries as Weasel, Dupinder, and Domino regroup. However, they're all surprised to suddenly see Cable in the flat with them who asks for help with killing Firefist, who is about to make his first kill, which leads to him becoming a serial killer, eventually leading to him killing Cable's uh, wife and child. Cable tries to convince Wade that killing Firefist will save countless other lives, but Wade wants a chance to save Firefist from turning into a villain. The two agree before Dupinder drives Deadpool, Cable and Domino to the X-Mansion to get help from Colossus, who refuses. I love the tonal differences between Deadpool and Cable here. I love it. Yeah, I know. It's, Speak I, more I know than we, that. I know. I know we're harking on to the typical archetypical straight man, wacky guy scenario, but the the extremes we're talking about here, the extremes, just work well. Well, they are both in this movie mm. characters that are trying to avenge the death of their wife. Yeah. Um. 
I guess they're just going about it in very different ways. Yes, definitely. And if the if Deadpool had access to time travel technology, presumably he would have gone back in time and killed the person that killed his wife, as it were, yeah. even if that person was then a child. Absolutely. So is uh, this why Cable travels back in time in the comics? It's to save his family, right? No. Um, okay. No, not at all. I mean... He travels back in time for, I guess, kind of three reasons. Mm. The first is, or I don't know who goes back first. It's to continue his war against this guy Strife. Yes. This um, this kind of the heir of Apocalypse, mm. the right hand of Apocalypse, the child of Apocalypse, who th- th- this 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 brutal confrontation started in the future, uh, and now takes place in the, in, the, in the present day. His, his, I guess, his main kind of focus is to try and prepare mutants for the coming of Apocalypse, like his real rise to power. He's already around, but his real rise to power in Cable's future. He thinks the X Men are too soft for the coming wars, mm. for the coming of Apocalypse. So he can't. He kind of knows the grown-up adults aren't going to listen to him, so he takes it as his mission to go to the new mutants, who are going to be the you know who could be the next, not necessarily the next generation of X Men, but the next generation of mutants, and turn them into soldiers, harden them up, toughen them up, um, and get them ready for these wars. There is then another subplot, a quite a mysterious subplot. It, it's revealed one of the members of X Force. Sam Guthrie, Cannonball. Uh-huh. He has the ability to kind of like he can kind of exp- so the back half of his body almost becomes like a jet. <laughs> it kind of explodes like a cannon. Yeah, and it doesn't like. I'm not saying it turns into metal. I'm saying he creates such an explosive propulsion from his torso that he he flies through the air from like the waist upwards it's all normal from the waist down you just see this kind of um this almost like the the backfire coming out of a jet engine mm. he's called cannonball he makes a loud noise as he blasts through the sky he is killed early on in a fight Ooh. but then comes back to life very quickly cable believes that cannonball is an an external a subset of mutants who are effectively immortal um, and are all psionically connected. The most famous of these externals is Apocalypse. Cable reveals to the, 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 to, to the X-Force, to the kids, that the externals are small but powerful groups scattered across the globe. And they're thought to be myths in the modern era, but they come together and play a pivotal role in the rise of Apocalypse to ultimate power. They become known as the High Lords. And so the reason that X, the reason that Cable has, has chosen this particular group of mutants to become X-Force mm. and to mentor is because he wants to guide Cannonball, Sam Guthrie, as he becomes an external. Right. And potentially create in in him an immortal soldier that can join the fight against against Apocalypse. Brilliant. Fine. So yeah, it's not it's not 
it's not his family are dead. He comes back to avenge them. It's a lot of other dangling plots. It's and you can of course find out more information <laughs> on that on our Patreon bonus episode uh, on Patreon. Uh, I'll get back to the film. Uh, Fire Fist and Juggernaut arrive at the orphanage, ready to burn it down, with Deadpool and Cable and Domino arriving shortly after. Before Deadpool can talk Fire Fist out of his plan, the child blasts the door down and heads after the headmaster. Juggernaut advances on the group, with all attempts taken down failing. When things look hopeless, Colossus arrives and takes on Juggernaut, while Firefist continues pursuing the headmaster. As Deadpool and Cable try to find Firefist, a bunch of armed orderlies fight them in the playground, while Domino takes on the orderlies inside. As the fight between Colossus and Juggernaut rages on, the Steel Mutant smashes a school bus into the orphanage, allowing the orphaned mutants to escape. Elsewhere, Cable and Deadpool prevent Firefist from killing the Headmaster, just as Negasonic, Teenage Warhead, and Yukio arrive in the Blackbird. Using their combined powers, the X-Men take down Juggernaut with a well-placed electric cable up his backside. That was so... There's such a funny... It's so tonally on message for this movie, yeah. and so good, and so... Yeah, that would work. It's just It just works all round that way. That 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 way of stopping Juggernaut, I absolutely love that. That that the thing is, I look at that and go, ah, oh, that would work so in so many other films with bad guys. It would work by just shoving an electric electricity <laughs> at their bum, like that, that. That would work on most yeah. Star Wars villains. Sauron, uh, the T one thousand, him from RoboCop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so if Juggernaut is so unstoppable, how do the X Men stop him in the comic books? Without anal intrusion. In the original story, um, when he's like destroying the mansion and the X Men are kind of cowering, they're like, and the Professor X is like, we cannot stop him on our own. So Xavier uses his telepathy to summon the human torch of the Fantastic Four. And he comes to help them out. How do you think the human torch helps defeat Juggernaut? He sets him on fire. No, that would be too logical. He uses his flames to generate bright pulses that hypnotise Juggernaut, (laughs) distracting him long enough for Angel to fly down and grab his special helmet and pull it off. Now, I forgot to mention, Juggernaut's special helmet... Uh, is makes him impervious to uh, telepathic commands and psychic control and stuff from Professor Xavier. So once that helmet comes off because he's distracted by mm. some flashing lights, Professor Xavier presumably could just lobotomize him like he does the Vanisher and anyone else he doesn't like. Uh, remember, we we only remember how these fights go if Charles Xavier wishes us to. <laughs> Who did he go to to get his helmet created, by the way? You know what? I can't quite remember. I, I wonder if it might be a, a gift of, of the Sitarak. I can't quite remember. That would make... Can't, I can't, it'd be too too much of an open, closed case, wouldn't it? Like, oh, by what? the way... He, oh, yeah. You have powers! Oh, by the way, here's a helmet just in case someone tries to t- take over yeah, your mind. Yeah, but like, Dr. Strange gets a cloak that helps him levitate just in case he has to levitate, and then he does all the time. Like, you know. Yeah, but that's part of a large menagerie of similar thing ah no i'm not getting into this i'm not getting into this it's it might just not necessarily it might just be like mystical shielding that just yeah. happens to yeah. i don't quite the answer is i don't know will i i don't quite know we could have saved our listeners uh all this babbling if you just went i don't know will 
I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm theorizing. I think there's yeah. there's also like let's not forget with stopping Juggernaut. Um, we uh, looked at the incredible uh, event, the onslaught event. Yes. Um, in one of our bonus episodes, and that all starts with um, Juggernaut not just being stopped, but being being punched so hard. He 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 like soars through the sky and across like from almost from coast to coast yeah. and crash lands on on the X Men's lawn or something uh, with with uh, mumbling one word onslaught and kind of uh, the the apps he's beaten very badly half to death um, and the the the, the, the kind of the, the this juggernaut being so physically overpowered and wiped out. Was uh, the the kind of the announcement of this of this new mysterious powerful mutant on the scene, and that's how the onslaught saga uh, began. Another thing to check out in our in our uh, archives. Indeed, oh indeed. The next moment, Firefly, Fire Fist Blast. You want to say Firefly, Firefly so bad? I know it's it's tripping you up every time. It's the autocorrect in my head goes Firefly, 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 Firefly. Yeah, yeah. If you'd known, you should have hit a. a, a a uh, hyphen between them that would help does that actually help well yeah because you read it as two words you read firefly oh i might try that in future anyway fire fist blasts deadpool and cable out of the building and they face each other down deadpool pleads for fire fist not to resort to murder even though the headmaster is clearly a guilty man this seems to work until fire fist burns deadpool saying he can't stop him with no ideas left Deadpool puts on the, the anti-mutant collar and both him and Cable charge the child. As Cable takes aim at Firefist, Deadpool dives in front of the bullet, sacrificing his life to save Firefist and preventing him from killing the headmaster. Deadpool slowly succumbs to his wounds while showing a tearful goodbye with everyone, knowing that his actions have prevented Firefist from going down a dark path. I should have said this earlier, but I'll, I'll say it now. Uh, I'm really happy that we got a decent Colossus fight. Yeah, it was good. We got a bit of one in the first one, but not, but not, you know, much. We got it in the original X Men films. We did get Colossus, and we've argued about this before. But Colossus was there. We didn't get much of him, though. There was a bit. Of... I mean, in the, in the first Deadpool movie, we got a bit of a. We, he fights that very strong woman briefly. The very strong woman with very questionable views on Twitter. <laughs> Gee, oh, who was it? Gina, so and so. Oh yeah, yeah, you remember? Yeah, yeah that, that, that's just that's, that's all I remember her for now is this, The Mandalorian, and yeah, some very very weird views. Anyway, in the comics, has Deadpool ever tried to stop a young mutant going down the wrong path? Doesn't sound like a Deadpool thing to do, no, does it? It doesn't. It does not. There is a character called Genesis. Um, so is, is he called in the UK publications? Is he called Mega Drive? <laughs> very sorry. good. Very good. I'm so sorry. Um, during so the X Force that that Wade is a part of is very dark. It's a great series. Mm. Uh, list at the end as ever. Wade once has the chance during during this X Force kind of time. To kill, essentially, to kill Apocalypse as a child. Yeah, there is a like a like a, a child form of uh, uh, that is going to grow up to become Apocalypse. Apocalypse is reborn and is uh, beginning to be brainwashed by Apocalypse's cult mm. to take his place one day. Um, Wade has a chance to pull a trigger and basically do the proverbial kill Hitler bit, mm. um, but can't do it. Mm. Um, a version of that child 
I'm, I'm coach. I'm having to coach over stuff here. A version of that child becomes a young, powerful mutant, teenage mutant uh, called Evan, codenamed Genesis, mm. as opposed to Apocalypse Genesis, and 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 joins the the X Men school, the Jean Grey school for for, for higher learning, um, and this kid Evan is pulled between generally being a pretty happy young mutant kid like his other weird mutant friends at school and dreams of being an X-Men and being a big hero one day but he also has moments of quite intense darkness and nightmares and he can feel this pull of some of this brainwashing and doesn't quite know what his origins are because he's been lied to about you know who he really is and what he's going to grow up to be mm. but he does have Deadpool that keeps checking on him Uncle Wade uh, Deadpool will like break into to the the mansion and like scale the wall and come and talk to him on his in his bedroom you know in his in his bedroom window in his dorms um and and Wade feels two folds of guilt he feels guilty because he didn't kill apocalypse when he had the chance mm. and he doesn't know what's going to happen with this kid and he also feels guilty about ever thinking about murdering a child <laughs> he's really conflicted and torn when it comes to this this Evan kid um and years down the line Evan is kidnapped by the Brotherhood of, of Mutants, and they try to control him and push him towards this darker path, towards actually becoming Apocalypse. Um, Deadpool shows up, and and basically, you think Deadpool is going to kill this kid and be like, I was always wrong about you, but he's actually there to kind of reinforce that he believes mm. in Evan, and he believes Evan is a good kid. And the, 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 the very dramatic story, it resolves with Evan kind of back in his dorm room, having not, you know, gone down the dark path. Uncle Wade gives him almost like an Uncle Ben moment of heartfelt words of Aww. power and responsibility and being a good kid. Uh, but then right before he leaves, he also gives him a giant stack of old porno mags <laughs> <laughs> because he's like, there's no need to be a saint. <laughs> Just don't be a monster. Yeah. Um, years after that, Evan, through a bunch of stuff does kind of evolve into a, a, a bigger, more powerful form, very nearly like Apocalypse, and and goes starts to go down that path. And and, and like a, it's a time period called Axis, where a lot of good guys become bad guys, and bad guys become good guys, mm. and is basically become Apocalypse. Um, but Wade is able to talk him out of it, even though there's this huge chaos magic spell forcing. Forcing Doctor Doom to be a good guy and Iron Man to be a bad guy, Deadpool is able to talk this kid out of it, um, despite all the chaos magic going around, um, because they have this 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 bond, this connection, and they go off on the on on the run together. And I think Wade even lets him uh, move in to his crappy little apartment and insists on calling him his ward, like it's Robin <laughs> to to Batman. So yeah, there is there is some. Uh, similarities in, in that. Okay, good. In the afterlife, Wade is reunited with Vanessa, while back in reality, Cable activates his final charge in his time machine. Vanessa tells Wade there's still time for them, but it's not now, and tells him to go back, but not before they share an embrace. The next moment, Deadpool is blasted back into reality, but back to the point in time when they arrived at the orphanage. But this time... Cable's bullet hits Vanessa's lead token that he sneakily put inside Deadpool's chest pocket before the fight without him knowing while using his last time machine charge that was meant for him to get home. How does this bit happen again? How does he go back in time? 
How does who go back in time? Deadpool. Deadpool. Well, this is this this is where it gets confusing because he doesn't go back in time. Cable goes back in time, but somehow Deadpool from the future gets sucked back into his body in revert and goes back in time in his body. It, in the past. In the past, yeah. How? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Okay. This is a plot cool. hole. This is a genuine plot hole. I just sort of looked at it as like a symbolic thing of, oh, you know, you have to go back. And he goes, okay. And then sort of raises his memory. I've oh, no, no. Cable, cable, goes, cable goes back in time but, to change things. Yeah, but he goes back so, into, his, into his past self rather than appearing alongside his yeah. past self. So, me- and the same thing happens. And then Wade has the memories of dying before he dies. Maybe. I, I don't know if Wade has the memory. I don't think he had the memories of dying before he dies. But I will say maybe Cable has the settings on the time machine to go back as you were, rewind time instead of travelling back in time. Then I need a line of dialogue that explains it. Mate, it's it's a fourth wall breaking comedy film. You gotta pick a lane. The thing for you what you, you should have done then, and I'm I'm disappointed in you, you should have then th- thrown a full strop and said stop ruining the magic rob stop asking questions about admit that would have been that would have tied the whole episode together nicely i i'll be honest with you rob i really wanted to but then i realized <laughs> i i would have had to go through the, uh, the time travel thread like my headphones in a drawer trying to unravel what this little mess that's been caused and i thought no you know what let's just pretend it didn't happen Okay. Well, we'll just say, yeah, that happened. That whatever. We'll move past it. Uh, Cable, knowing his family is now safe, decides to stay around to make sure the world doesn't turn into the same dark future he is from. As everyone walks away from the wrecked orphanage, the headmaster berates them for being mutants, but is run over by Depinder's taxi. Uh, this, I, I, I did like that little uh, time travel bit. Of him putting the token in there, I thought that was a nice, yeah, even a though neat solution. It's a, it's it's a nice, neat solution, and and I like it when stoic bad guys, or not bad guys, but stoic antiheroes like Cable have that little glint of goodness in them. They, he's not, you know, he let he does that little nice jet, nice act, nice yeah. deed. So in the comic books, does stay? I take it Cable does stick around in the present day, or does he just return to the future? He he freak he doesn't have this I've only got you know mm. one charge here one he doesn't have like he can just go back whenever he wants and he mm. does frequently <laughs> he frequently jumps between the time periods all the time mm. uh so he's kind of fighting apocalypse on two fronts he's uh fighting him in the future with like the gang of rebels and freedom fighters that are kind of like his family and mm. friends and he's also back in the in our present day in the nineties with with X Force doing it. Um, he does eventually end up spending pretty much all his time in in the present. There is a, a, t- a period of time where Apocalypse is seemingly killed completely in the modern day, um, and Cable still chooses to stick around. He decides that the future still needs fighting for. That's kind of like Cable's deal is he's always fighting to change the future. He starts to receive visions of. Terrifying new futures that now emerge because Apocalypse is dead, like different versions of them. And so he's like, Well, I I can't go back now. Uh, He may not even be able to because he may well have changed, uh, or that his future may well be changed completely. I don't know if they address that fully. Um, 
then there's a time period where he's presumed dead. He's killed and presumed dead. But then Cable reemerges years later um, in possession of a mutant child, the first mutant child born after the events of M Day. Oh, you mean House of M? Uh, the very end of House of M is known yeah. as M Day, um, where mutants are virtually wiped out from reality. One new child, mutant child, is born, Hope, um, and Cable is in possession of this mutant child that is believed by many across the world to be the new, or the first mutant messiah and to be very, very important to mutantdom. Um, and, and Cable goes even more Terminator here. Like, he... he he travels to the future and into the past, raising this child Hope and arming her to mm. fight uh, in the terrible wars uh, which he is convinced are coming and all the people that are going to come for her. So he he flip-flops. I don't think he sticks... He does stick around largely, but he's all over the place. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, also, I loved I loved the lines they're saying during the whole orphanage scenes where they're just calling them all paedophiles. Yeah, and then he gets hit by a taxi. I really liked that bit. That was fun. That was that was, that was fun. No, but, but, but I like when the headmaster's running away. Who's who played it? Was it Eddie? Oh, I don't know. It's a British actor. He was in the the World's End. He's very good. But when he's running away, <laughs> Cable just goes. Even runs like a sex offender, <laughs> which I thought just a lovely little line. Yeah, not enough. Not enough use of the words of pedo and nonce, which are of course weaponized British. Words. Obviously, but it's like it, they just say pedophile. It's like, oh, that's enough for me. You know, I, I, I'm laughing. Uh, anyway, we're up to the last bit. In a post-credit sequence, Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Yukio repair Cable's time machine, allowing Wade to save Vanessa from being shot, stop Peter from being killed by Zeitgeist Acid Spit, but not the rest of X Force, before killing Deadpool in the movie X Men Origins Wolverine and Ryan Reynolds as he finished reading the script for Green Lantern. And he kills baby Hitler. I did. No, apparently that bit was taken out. You were supposed to kill baby Hitler, but that bit po- was t- apparently taken out. Did you see it, bit? Yeah. Huh. Why? Why? I wonder what I've seen it in. Then you might have seen yeah. it on YouTube. Because, yeah, I, I've heard about the baby Hitler bit, but I didn't. Oh, see maybe it. that's it. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it isn't the movie. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 decided they take that bit out because it was a bit too. Well, one way you know good, but the other way a bit too far. It's still still a baby. Thank you, Will, for taking us through Deadpool 2 um, and allowing us to explore the time travelling and the cable and Deadpool and X-Force. Very, very interested to hear what your uh, your thoughts are on this movie, uh, you know, how, how you took it all in and what you what you thought of, of the context it provided. This is the thing. I, I, I knew this would be a good film because it's cause this is the thing uh, i i don't think there are that many bad comedy sequels i think comedy sequels if you have a strong a solid enough base for the plot the character and the comedy style you're not going to have that much of a hard time creating a sequel especially when there's a rich backstory to delve into it's not like making a sequel for uh, uh, an snl character for example i mean that that doesn't always work wayne's world 2 you know that worked but Zoolander 2 did not work. However, this, uh, what they did here was essentially give us more of the same. But it turns out the same is still really good. And I think that's, that, 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 that's just incredible. It's like there is no, I don't think there is any depreciation in this film. In fact, I, I could, I really want to argue in some respect, it's a better film than the first. 
I know the first had it had it had had it, had to struggle and it had it had its meager budget and they just wanted to get it out the door. This one, they felt like they had more air, space to breathe and grow as a film, and, and I, it really shows. Um, but for some reason, uh, unlike the first film, I had no urge to rewatch it until this, which is very puzzling. Also, there's more of a story going on with this. Uh, I mean, the original one had a very skeleton structure, and was mostly an origin story. You know, I, I would say thirty, at least thirty percent of the film takes place on that highway. <laughs> that, that's always shown. It's a, Tim Miller with his films, the characters must be standing on a highway. Uh, yeah. Also, Cable, Cable work, works so well in this film. But I will say, there's hardly any of him in the film. I don't know if there was just the right amount, but it left me wanting to see way more of him. I want to see way more of Cable. I hope that if they do more stuff in the MCU, if they bring the X-Men into the MCU, if they do Deadpool 3, I want to see Josh Brolin back. And I do want there to be some kind of joke about him. You, you know, you sound like Thanos. You sound so much like Thanos. Have you ever met him? That would be, that would be such a good little... Think that, but that's just me thinking that. Uh, as much as I love the joke about there being hardly an X-Men, uh, I'm not going to lie. I would just love to see more X-Men going about the gaffer, maybe in the more obscure ones, just just, just for, for bouncing ideas of jokes. Uh, set pieces also work really well. Uh, they, they actually felt purpose-made to be an action film, not just bits that they had to stick in a spoof movie. You know what I mean? You get that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it... And, and, and we said it before, it definitely feels like they had a bigger budget for this one. The first, as I said, the first money, the first film spent all that money on the highway. And the, the tone from stupid Looney Tune comedy to somber, uh, I, thought, I thought it worked really well. I know you, 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 you're a bit at, at ends with the whole, uh, if, the, if the character, you know, it has this motivation and their loved one dies while being a fourth wall breaking Bugs Bunny character, it kind of detracts from it. But I don't know, I, I liked this flip-flopping between tones. It, it, didn't, it did it without being too arbitrary. Also, Ryan Reynolds uh, is one of those guys who's a breath of fresh air at first, but can get really tiring after a while, like family guy. So he fits into this role perfectly. Uh, Fire Fist felt a very annoying in one tone, I felt. But, you know, he's a child. All children are inherently annoying. Uh, <laughs> uh, disappointed over lack of Terry Crews. I, I, I thought we could get more Terry Crews and Rob Delaney, but I'm going to say this to end how I, my thoughts on it. I have no idea, absolutely no clue what they can do for Deadpool three. No clue. As in, you think they've they've pushed the envelope so far? Uh, not in terms of pushing the envelope. I don't know what major Deadpool stories because they, they, <laughs> De- De- Cable and Deadpool was the big thing to do. That was that was the big tick off the list. We got to do, and they done it. And it's like, okay, now what? I mean, you probably know. You can probably think of a few. <sighs> I'm not a massive Deadpool fan, so I I don't have a. a, a, I don't think you need to rely on comic book stuff, though. They could just do anything, really, couldn't they? At this point, they could just. I I reckon Um, they should just just have him pop up instead of Stan Lee cameos. They should just have Deadpool popping up in other MCU films. I disagree, Uh, (laughs) because I don't like Deadpool. Um, (laughs) What? What? um, Uh, what's been your favourite piece of trivia from this episode, Will? How about I ask your question with another question? What do you think my favourite piece of trivia has been from the episode? Oh, the Princess Diana nearly showed up in X-Force. I think yeah. that is just... Resurrected from the dead. I tell you, I laugh at it now, but the more I think about it, if done right, it could have worked so well. <laughs> if done right, yeah. 
There didn't yeah. seem to be confidence that it would be done right, and the Daily Mail was furious. Yeah. Um, but when are they not list, furious? You know? <laughs> reading list for this episode. You can check out the original uh, Cable and Deadpool um, kind of stuff, Deadpool's first appearance, um, in a collection called X-Force Epic Collection Volume 1. Um, it's very 90s. It's very macho. It's very, everyone is a mercenary with a dark and mysterious past, but hey, that's where these guys come from. Uh, for the buddy cop, funny kind of uh, big sci-fi Deadpool and Cable stuff, check out Deadpool and Cable, either the Ultimate Collection or the Deadpool and Cable Omnibus. For badass, dark X-Force stuff with Deadpool, I cannot recommend this series enough. It is, it is one of my favourite runs of all time. Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender. Um, and for wacky... Well, not even wacky. For biting satirical X-Force doing The Boys Before The Boys, um, check out X-Force New Beginnings by Peter Milligan and Mike Allrad. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to check us out on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. Please, please, please support us. Help us keep doing episodes like this and more. Next episode, we're going to do something different. We're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to check out a Marvel movie, but a Marvel animated movie. A Marvel DVD release movie. We're going to check out the much-asked-for Planet Hulk that is available on various, various streaming services and DVDs. Planet Hulk, it is a huge story. It is an awesome story. It is a story that changed Hulk forever. And we're going to be dealing with it right here in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please take the time to like us, rate us, subscribe, give us five star, leave an awesome review. It all helps. Or hey, why not recommend us to a friend who loves Marvel? Don't forget to check us out on patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel or on Twitter at at Marvel Versus.